I want to say Slipknot Lucy. That's uh, with the, oh. like, the T-shirt Lucy and like one of the hard. flannelettes tied around your like waist. And, no, no, like, no, yeah. no. I had um, okay. So I had Slipknot hoodies, the whole thing. But I also wore. Do they call them Jinko jeans in America? Like the really Let's go. wide. Yep. But <laughs> they had embroidered on the ass. Bad girl. <laughs> So, Hell yeah! The what, did say? What, jeans. what did your parents say when you got when you wore, we wore those out of the house? So my dad ex- would not buy them for me, but mum did. <laughs> wow! Good on your mum. mum. Yeah. So, so, so we got mum. Slipknot Lucy, and we got Ska Kid Gerard over here. Yes! Oh my god! I had, a, I had a ska band called Catastrophe. We performed all over LA. It was it was a whole thing. That's Check way cooler. Shoes. That's wow. way cooler. Way to flex on Lucy. Say, no, <laughs> that th- that's the thing. Yeah, I thought it was embarrassing. I thought you know, I no, love Scott is not embarrassing. I love Scott music, but Good. like I didn't. I I was trying to show humility through. No, I appreciate it. You got to go my angle. I was like weird kid with like when I tried to dress nice, it was like a Hawaiian shirt with geckos with sunglasses on it and oh. flames. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I went to that. You've phase obviously too. made great strides. You've made great strides since yeah, then. He's different now. Yeah, totally changing it. <laughs> hey, shut up, all right? <laughs> now it's just Metal Gear t-shirts and Brendan Fraser. But to be fair, if there is a week to wear a Brendan Fraser t-shirt, it is this week. It's true. Because it Oscar is the man's- award winning We've been Brendan at this for a while. Fraser. This isn't like a trend, by the way. This has been I've been tweeting about this for 12 years <laughs> plus, so- do you reckon he's ever seen anything that you've put out? No, Do you reckon he's ever I hope seen not. a tweet or any have you sent have you ever sent him fan mail? Question no, mark. Have no, you ooh. ever No. Oh, you should, man. He would have loved that at he's, some point in his career. He, like, he probably could have used it, yeah. Guy. Yeah. He's he like terminally offline it. though, which is good. Sure. So that's great. That's why I have, for him. So I have IMDB Pro, which means that you can access like everyone's um uh representatives and whatever. Yeah. I'll I'll find you an email. Okay. I actually have an idea video. for a series on game rags, not just about him, but that doesn't also <laughs> make any sense at all unless I explain it, but I don't want anyone to take my idea. So we'll just save if that you, for another day. Because there was a mummy. There were, have, there were two mummy games or just the one? Uh, there game. was two. The main one was the one for the mummy returns on PlayStation where you could play as Rick or Emotep. And it was really cool when you played as Emotep because you could grab dudes and like suck them. Like suck, like suck their life, like their life out. You know, <laughs> excuse me. Was that only released in Japan? That one, or did it come to the what? West as well? <laughs> you know, like how we like, you know, like sure, sure, that sure. didn't. That wasn't any better. Uh. Right. Uh, I think that you need to do a play along session with Brendan Fraser where you play the mummy game with him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he wants to revisit that chapter in his career though. I think but he does. He, does. he, ta- he talks about, about it, it all yeah. the that'd time. Be, that'd be some sick content if you sat yeah. there and jammed out playing the mummy game with him. That would I would I would tune in, man. Everyone would. Right. I, I I sorry I I pulled up a video. Uh, they just used the God of War font throughout this entire game. It like oh in the oh, mummy yes, yeah it, it like w- literally <laughs> is pulled from God of War. It was a time. It was a time. It was yeah. just like how papyrus is big West. everywhere. Up oh, the avatar. Papyrus. I mean, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Of course. Speaking of papyrus, uh, welcome to Friends per Second, uh, the podcast, <laughs> which we are now on episode seventeen. It's the middle of March, twenty twenty three. Uh, thank you guys for listening, watching on all the podcast platforms or here on the Scale Up YouTube channel. But uh, I'm Jake Baldino. I'm hosting this week. I'm kind of guiding things. Uh, but I am joined, as always, by Lucy James. How are you? You just got off a plane. Hello, I did. Yeah, I've been in Atlanta uh, for the past few days and I didn't bother to change 
uh, to adapt to the time zone. And I think uh-huh. I've made a huge mistake. Good idea. Just isn't it like, isn't it like an hour? Isn't Three, it like an hour difference? But we Three, just, we had daylight oh. savings as okay, well. Yeah, so sure. it was technically kind of four. I learned that the hard way because I booked a podcast appearance and I was like, yeah, I can get up at 5 a.m. Daylight savings kicks in. Mm, okay. So mm. it turns out that's actually 4 a.m. And we had to get up half an hour early for prep. So that was great. Drop Frames <laughs> podcast, by the way. If you haven't checked it out, it's actually a great podcast with some some very cool guys. So. Yeah, but it was very early for me. And that voice that you're hearing is Ralph, a.k.a. Skillup, of course. And last but certainly not least, Gerard, the completionist. What's up? What's up? I'm ready. I'm here. I'm I I missed you guys. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. You were out for the last one. Welcome back. You've been a busy boy. Busy boy. Oh, yeah. I I I was raising money for charity. That's why I was gone. How dare you? uh, yeah, we raised four hundred and fifty thousand dollars for direct relief. Amazing! Uh, Holy a, shit! A, through a charity event we do called uh, the Runaway Guys Coliseum with a bunch of content creators in a hotel for like three or four days, and uh, it was madness. It was crazy, but it was really awesome. That's insane. That's awesome. Good job yeah. to you and everybody. You. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. You have you have been really busy. Can we talk about what is dropping with you? So uh, for people who uh, are listening as at around this time. Uh, you should know that the eShop is closing for, uh, Gerard, can you break it down? Yeah. So March 27th, which is like, uh, about a, uh, about a week and some change, like seven, seven, eight days from now when this airs, the Nintendo 3DS and Wii U eShop will be closed forever. Rip Arena. Rip Arena. So um, you're doing something buck wild. You've been working on this for a while. Yes. So, uh, Gamers of the internet. Hello, welcome. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I did something very stupid, and my video actually is live right now that you can go and watch after the podcast or watch later, whatever you need, whenever you got to do. Uh, I purchased literally every single Nintendo, Wii U, and 3DS game on the digital eShops, uh, and it was a nightmare. It took me almost a full year to make this video um lots of money lots of of chaos uh to give you guys an idea at the time that i started working on the video some titles came and went new games were released on the eShop in the middle of my video uh roughly speaking there's 866 wii u games and 1547 3ds games and that includes dlc uh, it includes virtual console clones from from both consoles, um, as well as DSiWare for uh, for 3DS oh folks. Um, <laughs> wow. I purchased 476 eShop cards physically, and it cost me twenty two thousand seven hundred and ninety one dollars by the time I was done. Oh my god! <laughs> I did a lot of. I'm not listen. I am not. A Mr. Beast guy. I don't have sponsors <laughs> showing up paying me a bunch of money. I did a lot of really shitty mobile ad brand deals <laughs> to get that money. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went to a good cause then. I went to a good cause. Yes, cause. yes. And, and, N- and Nintendo. <laughs> well, <laughs> the whole point of the video is that uh, at the end, uh, I, I'm going to end up donating. Um, both my console and 3ds at the end of my career to the video game history foundation to preserve it so there's going to be a physical backup essentially uh that my account is tied to 
that uh, the Video Game History Foundation group can have uh, for the sake and goodness of preserving video games. So there's obviously genuinely useful. Yeah, so that was, that was so there is a, a Mr. Beast angle in there after all. A, ch- yeah. you know, a little charity bit. angle. I mean, look, it. I'm not curing blindness, but I'm definitely wasting money. So. You're basically like sure. dumpster diver- diving behind GameStop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you just know, you just know that Scott DeWars is so mad right now. He's like, why didn't I think of this man? This is, this is I'm furious. <laughs> it's uh. It was a nightmare. Uh, all of the problems I ran into, all the all, every single issue. Uh, if you if you love like our data is beautiful, like this video is for you. This is a deep dive into the psyche of someone who was like, I have an idea. And as the video goes on, it's like this was the stupidest thing I ever came up with. Um, it just just the nightmare of it. I can't wait for you guys to watch it and see it. And uh, it would be nice if you watched it because that video is not going to make twenty two thousand seven hundred and ninety one dollars. So uh, unless it, unless yep. it goes viral. So if if you if you want to check it out, please do uh, rip rip a Rooney eShop yeah. across the board. Thanks for the uh, memes. Well, Thanks the for games. your service. <laughs> yep. Well, That's amazing! I'm so excited to watch it because when we when we came to visit you, you were like, mm. "We have cleared out every store for cards." In we saw the stacks. Oh wow! In the office, yeah, yeah. yeah we saw this. Oh yes, right. You went there, yeah, oh. yeah. We saw these stacks of of eShop cards just lying around everywhere. Gerard's like fat, fat stacks. stacks of Nintendo cash. You know, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, um, it was great a money thing. laundering scheme. By the way, I reckon you're going to get a call from the Fed. That's a good They're going to be like, "Yo." <laughs> No one should be buying this Dude, amount of eShop cards. The shop is about to close. There's something going on here, man. It's it's in the video. You'll see me. I was on the phone with my banks several times. I was on the phone <laughs> with Nintendo customer support. <laughs> like, no, listen, I swear. No, it's real. No joke, good, man. No, no Mr. Joke. Bowser, please. I call, I call. So fun fact for you guys at home. Um, if you were like, hey, I wanted to spend... Uh, several thousand dollars at once on the eShop, Nintendo won't let you. There is an invisible cap of about 1500 bucks that if you hit in a day, Nintendo shadow bans you for 48 hours from redeeming any any cards. No, no wonder so- their mobile game strategy never took off, right? Because they have <laughs> shit like that in there, right? That's the exact opposite of they what They wanted a to protect your backlog. Does. That's what so they're, they're I, thoughtful. I, I was scared because every... every Three days, I was locked out of my account, which basically made this so progress this progress so elongated, so much longer, so much longer. Oh. And I call I called Nintendo customer support several times, and two things happened every time. One, hey, this error code you're describing is not in our system. And two, <laughs> holy shit, are you the completionist? Why are you calling <laughs> customer support? And uh, I called maybe like 20 times and I tried my best. I got it escalated to the highest level of customer support uh, to which they told me there was nothing they could do. Fantastic. That's great. So, like, yeah, it's me again. Yeah, hey, what's yeah. up? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, it's a me. What's <laughs> up? <laughs> it's a me, Chris Pratt. <laughs> Oh man! All right. Well, uh, we I will definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should Thank be you. up uh, at the time of roughly this podcast. So yeah, good good luck. Can't wait to see what you're going to do Thank next. You. you crazy, you That's crazy good. person. Uh, I'll tell yeah, you man. what. Uh, never this ever again. This was a fun <laughs> thing. Uh, cool. I'm not doing PS3 or 360 eShop. Damn. If that stuff closes, it closes. I'm sorry. I, I, it's too much <laughs> money. I tried. Well, uh, moving on, this week we have a lot. Uh, We're going to kind of catch up with 
how the game's releases have been so far this year. Uh, some first impressions on stuff like Resident Evil, the remake. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, we actually have a nice little chat with Joe Blackburn. Uh, he is the game director for Destiny 2. Uh, now, that is significant because Lightfall just released and a lot of people uh, have things to say about it. So it's a pretty good <laughs> Which interview. Which people, Jake? Which people? Uh, Destiny fans that I don't even listen to. You guys are annoying. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're we not. No, we love no, you. no, he's serious. He's And he's correct. And he's correct. Well, uh, so not to hype up the interview, but uh, Joe is 100% real Destiny nerd. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting perspective about like his thought process as leadership and, and, and Destiny in general. So I think there's actually a lot of good meat here. Even if you don't play Destiny, uh, just mm. if you're interested in the business, the games as a service type stuff, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna kick into that now. What do you say, guys? All right, hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Uh, very excited for this next block. We are joined by none other than Joe Blackburn, who is the game director for Destiny Two. And it's just first of all, welcome. Awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks so much for having me. So. Tell us, how how long have you been in the position of game director? When did that start? Oh, that's a great question. Um, a few years ago, I think uh, I, I returned to Bungie uh, when we were developing Beyond Light. And so I was the assistant game director through the launch of that. And then as that product took off, I took over as game director. Right. Yeah, cool. And how did it feel to be handed the reins to that sort of gig because like that's a that's a big deal right that's a big job in the games industry when you when you when they set you down in that meeting like how did that how did that go down uh it is you know i um i really enjoyed uh have enjoyed all my time at bungie and um have even before working on destiny i'm like a guardian before i'm a, a bungie dev so i joined uh bungie originally right after Crota's End came out. So before that, I was like, uh, you know, right when Vault of Glass Raider came out. And so I played the shit out of those, like, original Destiny, you know. Uh, I can still remember someone being like, hey, why are you using bad juju? I'm like, oh, because it's a high-level gun. And they're like, it is not good. Like, <laughs> it's not good. Um, and, and, and learning a bunch from the game uh, really early. Um, and then even throughout my time at Bungie, when I was able to come in and, you know, start being a developer, I've, I've still maintained this like love for the game. It's really deep. Like it is both, I think one of my greatest strengths and probably my Achilles heel that I just like love the shit out of destiny. Um, and the opportunity to, to come back to Bungie and have a, have a big, uh, shape in the future of the game was just really exciting and and even in my time away from Bungie I think the easiest was when you know uh, some folks were calling me and they're like you still play this game like 20 <laughs> hours a week right like sure. uh it was so it was a pretty easy uh easy thing to say yes to yeah right well, nice awesome i think that's actually a, a great starting point if you don't mean jumping in joe um because here's the thing i have not played destiny for for many years i am very far removed from this all of my excitement hype and news comes directly from ralph ralph is like <laughs> the conduit for all of us terrible news see... source for destiny by the way you gotta find some better <laughs> as to cross data you gotta go with those guys okay don't get your news from me trust me so uh obviously 
uh light falls here you 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 put your blood sweat and tears with the team um I'm a new player I'm jumping in for the first time it seems a little overwhelming or or maybe I I I'm just I'm not really sure if like the the uh, level of of uh things I have to download in terms of my head to understand do you think that with with lightfall that it's a little unwelcoming for new players and uh and how much effort do you and the team kind of put into onboarding new players when you think about major updates or expansions yeah so so one of the interesting things about uh, lightfall right now is we actually have more new players coming in to destiny than we've had in a long time right and so um Generally, with a the game that has as much history as Destiny, you're talking about, hey, we're getting players that played four years ago coming back. We're getting players that played two years ago coming back. Um, Lifeful has a bunch of people playing that have never played Destiny before. Um, and so this has always, I think, been a challenge. We have an onboarding experience we call New Light. You go through sort of the original Destiny 1 intro to the game. Um, and this is sort of a, a one-hour, two-hour tutorial. There's a lot of systems in Destiny, right? And so we sort of throw you in headfirst. Um, the problem was after that experience in, in, in a Destiny for the last few years, you're just thrown out into the solar system. And there's so much content. You've got this huge map of things to do. And I think that's always been a point where we lose people, where they get in, they're like, well, shooting guns feels great. Um, but now there's like, there's like five different campaigns I could go play. Which is the great one? There's like seasonal content. Um, and so one of the things that we put in with Lightfall that we're really excited to see the adoption, especially in our early uh, levels, is like how Guardian ranks, this new system that we put in. You start as like a level one Guardian, and we try to point you at this thing. We say, hey, if you've got friends and they're telling you what to play, great. If you're playing with Ralph and he's like, come do the strike with me, come do the strike with me, great, go do that. That's that's always good. It's always If you don't, if they're not online, like there's just this tab and it says, what should I do? And it's like, you should go to EDZ and learn about bounties. You should go, okay, this is actually what season is active. This is the latest campaign because your guardian rank will just tell you that thing to do. And so this is sort of our backbone for when you're looking and saying, oh my gosh, this game is so big. There's 200 exotics for me to go earn. What should I be prioritizing? Would you really think if you like take this track, we will take you from someone that has never been able to like play Destiny before to I could do raids on the highest difficulty, and all I've done is just sort of like follow this checklist of things to do. So that sounds got... that sounds great for a guy like me because <sighs> I I am very checklist oriented. Sorry, Ralph, take it away. <laughs> I was going to say so so is that obviously that is definitely a step forward in that um for for new lights and bringing people into the game. Would you say that that is sort of the limit of it as far as Bungie sees, or are there more things planned in the future for how to you know, onboard people better? Uh, yeah, I'll say I'll say the. We we look at the onboarding in two ways, um, right? The one is the like the systems complexity of Destiny. Okay, there's all these things. Uh, how do they work? How do I shoot my guns? How do I get better at shooting my guns? Um, then there's where is the world? Like what's going on in the universe? Who are these characters? And so really, with the launch of Lightfall, we're like, okay, let's take the first stab at the systems. What should I be doing? Um, the thing that's next on our radar is how do I catch up with where we are in the world um and so that's what we're looking at this year that's what we're looking at as we go into the final shape which is hey i've maybe never played this game before who are these people right now mm. what what you'll get when you come into the game is a, a pretty good snippets of like last time on destiny right so it's the equivalent of you've never seen 
the last of us you watch the episode and you, you watch the recap at the beginning so, okay these these are the things that happen we have that and like that's good but we think we can go a step further we think we mm. can say hey if you want to dive in here is how you understand you know where the story is and that's that's like coming up on our on our roadmap here right. okay yeah cool so, I mean, just uh, turning to Lightfall, obviously. For anyone not aware, uh, Destiny just <clears> launched a major expansion called Lightfall. That's dropped two weeks ago now, is it? Feels like feels like longer, because it feels like all I've been doing for two weeks is playing Destiny. So time is just this massive blur. <laughs> uh, yeah, a little uh, over two weeks, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. It's a yearly expansion. It's always a big deal in the Destiny community. Uh, Joe, as we start to talk about this, I feel like there's one question that I need to begin with. You know what that question is. I know what that question is. Anyone who has played this campaign knows what this question is. So, Joe, what is the veil? Can you tell us right now what the veil is, please? Yeah, I, what I can promise about the veil is that what it is not is something that we're going to explain on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's the... What's try, the worst? Guys. What's the I'm worst? Sorry, Bob, of I this? failed you. Yeah, yeah. Like if if we ever have a situation where players are like, God, there's this thing in the game, and I want to learn more about it, um, which is a situation Destiny's been in before, right? What we don't want is be like, okay, well, great, they explained it in this out of game thing, and so what we're really you know focused on right now is okay, we have we have a few elements that people need to know more about. Let's get that knowledge into the game, into this place where it's not you know uh six months later you're like oh yeah go watch this youtube video to find out what this thing is it should be go play the game and and figure it out so yeah we're we're definitely excited to learn more about the veil this year um but sadly (laughs) not tonight on this podcast right (laughs) okay okay all right but you're sort of saying to us that more information on the veil will come sooner rather than later it will come in game uh it's on the way yep okay Okay, cool. Um, so I feel like, you know, um, Lightfall dropped. And I think there's been some different phases to its reception. Um, I think that was that initial phase, you know, when it just dropped. And I think people had quite a raw response to it for a variety of reasons. And I think that shifted somewhat as people have moved into the rest of the expansion and experienced different parts of it, right? So I'm interested to get your perspective on what it was like in the studio in those opening days when obviously there was a lot of feedback coming at you thick and fast and a lot of it I'm sure was quite challenging. So what was it like being at Bungie in in those first few days and seeing player responses? Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'm going to do a thing that's really dangerous on a gaming podcast and potentially go into a sports analogy. So, um, <laughs> right, okay. None of us play sports, by the way. None of us are <laughs> no. sports people, so this great. is great. Great, but everyone is familiar with the game of basketball. It's like an international game. On some level. You, on some you level. throw a ball through Must a hoop. There are, there are people that play this professionally. One, one of the ways that I think it's... Um, easiest to think about live service in both how we take feedback and how we make the game is we're like a professional sports team, right? Um, in that every week we have to go out and play basketball again, right? And so um, we don't have this period of, okay, we're in, we're in full, let's all sit back and uh, lick our wounds and think about uh, what we're doing. It's really hey, there's another basketball game next week. Let's analyze what's going on. Let's take take the learnings and then push that into what we're doing next. And I think one of the really challenging things for people coming into a development environment like this is that 
sort of everything that you do every single day matters, right? And so there's not a way, we don't have this schedule that allows us to be like, hey, you know, Gerard went up and missed a free throw. Okay, well, let's like roll back the clock, right? And we'll just like, we'll keep, he'll keep shooting free throws until he makes it. Like that's, that's part of it. And so when we get feedback, I think it's about live fire. Hey, what are people saying? And so one of the, one of the first things that we do with feedback is we understand like, is this unanimous feedback or is it divided feedback? Unanimous feedback is easy, right? We take this thing and we say, hey, we shipped a thing. The players or audience are all saying the same thing. Great. Okay. That that sort of realizes where we missed here or what we did well. And it also allows us to stack rank it pretty well on the like, how high up in our priority should this be on something that we should be looking at or something we should be doing more of or something we should be doing less of. Um, the real tricky one is when people aren't saying the same thing, right? Mm. Or, mm. or they're saying, hey, you know, half of the group really likes this, half of the group really doesn't like this. Um, and then that sort of comes into, we start digging into deeper layers. We're saying, okay, we get it. Uh, when the players are divided, generally internally, we're pretty divided on it too. And so we start looking at other metrics. We say, hey, how is this change that we made affecting the way people are playing the game? How is this change uh, affecting the the outcome of what we're trying to do, how is this change going to affect the future? And that becomes a really tricky thing to, to, to start to align on, to start to figure like, hey, is this a thing that just needs more time in players' hands for them to understand it? Is this a thing where like, yes, we should just always expect that some some of these people, it's not going to sit right, right? I think there's always an element of game design, which is like, uh, if you're doing anything that's risky, it's, you're going to make a game that's not for everyone, right? Like. There are parts of, of Destiny that I think are super appealing and super exciting, um, but like raiding isn't for everybody, and that's okay, right? Like some people are like I wish I I want to do solo raids. Like, okay, well, we've got some great solo content in the game, and we've got these things called dungeons, and you can do that by yourself, and it's like uh, this solo experience. But like this this thing has those rough edges on purpose, and so really I think it's tricky. Not when everyone's saying the same thing. It's really helpful for us. That really like mm -hmm. helps inform our strategy. It's tricky when they're not. Joe, forgive right. my ignorance, uh, and maybe this is like a too too far into the weeds or too yeah. too much into the hood. Do you and and maybe it's just like it's like more of a game design question as opposed to like a bungee destiny question. Yeah. Do you guys purposely design things to be tested by players? Going like, hey, we know this needs feedback, but let's put something out there just to see and test the waters. I I think there there's a lot of interesting destiny secret sauces that we could we could talk about um gotcha one of them is obviously sorry i'll, I'll just I'll, I'll say that i think the thing that you're talking about gerard is one of them but the, one of we have a like, hit feel we really care about combat hit feel mm. and that's like really obvious to players one of the other things that i think has been part of the destiny secret sauce and we've watched other games that come into live service uh, emulate this is that this sort of like all of the new stuff is shrouded in a little bit of mystery and everyone experiences it at the same time and so there is no uh, beta environment for Destiny content. Mm. When it drops, everyone's seeing it for the same time. Everyone's experiencing the story for the same time. They're, they're playing the mission for the same time. Um, that is really exciting. It makes the world feel like it's evolving to players. It makes the, them feel like they're all on the bleeding edge and they're not you know, getting these weird peeks behind the curtain or spoilers. Um, what makes that really challenging is we have some of the best testers in the world at Bungie. They are incredible. We have an incredible like test-focused mindset. Having hundreds of people play your game internally 
uh, you know, for months is so different than the first day it comes out and millions of people are playing it. Uh, and that is part of, uh, you know, the challenge of making a game like this. But I think it's also part of our secret sauce. And so we're always learning how to do it better. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really interesting to see some of the th ways things take hold because they're not always what we expect, but sometimes they're better than what we expected. And they teach us to like, okay, what this system should be doing. We thought this was the goal. We're seeing how players are interacting with it. Let's like chase down this other thing. This is more fun. Mm. Yeah, right. Um, pivoting back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier in terms of that reception to Lightfall. Uh, as I said, opening chapter, quite tricky. Uh, and then I think after that, the sort of overall perspective on it shifted. And I think, well, actually, my, I guess I should put the question to you. What do you think players are seeing now that they're into Lightfall that they perhaps weren't seeing at the very at the very top end of it. Uh, I think that one of the biggest things they're seeing is how the how the systems game has evolved with some what seems like on paper pretty minor changes. Um, so for everyone, one of the things that Destiny did was we said, "Hey, our old way that you built your character." So the RPG part of our RPG shooter was just too complicated um and some of that complexity can allow you to do some really powerful things but we said most of this complexity is making it even for our most engaged players they're like anytime i have to change anything in this game it is like a 45 minute experience and we said hey can we just like remove some of that mental load and i think when players first went in there there was so much new coming at them they sort of looked at the system they said oh, okay some stuff is going on here after players started to get their hands deep in systems like the new way that you build your character, I think they started saying, whoa, there's all these new ways that I can interact with Destiny now. And I think that's always sort of players peeling back the onion. And there's like, okay, how does all the, how do all the changes of this game interact? And I think for a bunch of it in Lightfall, a bunch of the changes have been really positive for the, the way that you can interact with the rest of the game. And so we're seeing this crazy new damage type. We have Strand and they're saying, Oh, do you know that you can like grapple onto a gun projectile and fly across the map? And you're like, oh, no, I didn't know that, but I'm going to try that now, right? <laughs> and then, uh, and they said, oh, okay, do you know that like you can build your character in this totally different way and it changes the way that you interact with the strike that you've ran before? And they're like, no, but now I'm really excited to go check that out. And so I think for us, it's been a bunch of people peeling back the layers and, and seeing the new ways to interact with the game. Yeah, right. So, I mean, we've sort of spoken about uh, play reception to the game. What's, or to Lightfall, I should say, what's been like your reception to Lightfall? And what do you think it's really nailed? And what do you think perhaps hasn't and that you'd look to focus on going forward? Yeah, so I'll say it's always, I think for me, uh, I try to step away and listen a bunch. Uh, I'm so close to a bunch of this um, that I think um, that your first reaction to anything can be like, hey, well, I know I know what the future of the game is, and I know where all this is going, and I know why the, all this is important. And so uh, my I do this thing every time a game comes out um, where I take my schedule for the week, and my schedule is a nightmare. Anyone who ever looks at my calendar, it's like Joe's quadruple booked at 2 p.m. And I'm like, and everyone has like some horrific fire they'd like to talk to me about. But when we launch a big new release, I go and I say, 
hey, I'm locking out the whole week. And my block just says, it says game director versus game, right? And so I play the shit out of the game. Um, Interesting. And and I, uh, cool. you know, I'll, I'll like talk with people at work or this is where we're playing, but I'm like, hey, if you pull me into a meeting, I'm playing the game this week. And so like, it'll be like, we're more like we're on Discord than we're, we're having a meeting like, like this right now. And in that process, I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a lone wolf player type. I'm in a clan and I play with clans. I actually really like to live on my own schedule. So I like heavily frequent a bunch of our LFG communities and I just join people and I just sit back and listen to what they're saying about the game and what they're enjoying about the game. Um, Joe, I have, I have to ask, do you do this in a sense where like no one knows who you are? Um, unfortunately, that's incredible. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So my, uh, if I'd say about, three out of four times I'm completely anonymous. Um, and almost about uh, five out of six of those times, um, when I'm not anonymous, people only say something at the very end. They'll like, <laughs> at the end of the thing, be like, oh, hey, Joe, so thanks. Thanks, <laughs> I'll cool. tell the team thanks. Um, so every once in a while, you'll join a raid and someone will recognize my name from a Twitter handle and they'll be like, just instantly going off about stuff. But um I'd say like really impressed with our community. Most of the time I've had very few bad experiences or very few experiences where someone was like, Hey, I want to talk about the game and I'll just instantly be like, Hey, I'm excited to run King's fall with y'all. Like <laughs> we're going to talk about King's fall. You tell me about the game. And I've almost never had an experience where I've had to bail out of a group because they like didn't respect that. Um, so wow. I, th- I think even in those experiences where they, they might recognize me just pivoting the conversation back to like, Hey, I, I wish I could tell you all about the game. I can't. Um, so you tell me about the game. You tell me. Mm-hmm. And then I think they're instantly in this seat where it's like, Oh my, I get to talk to the game director about my feelings on this. And they'll like, just go off on some random God roll of a gun they have that they think is slightly off for two hours. And then I'll listen to that. Sure. So <laughs> I love that. Uh, that was actually really fascinating to hear your process. I didn't know that that's how you did that. Um, I guess coming back to that original question, though, is from that week immersed in the game and feeling it and seeing it and listening, what were the things that have popped up for you as being like, okay, we really know this versus, okay, we've got to, we've got to direct some more attention here. Yeah, and so I, I think the first was we were really focused on, hey, we're hearing all the reactions the first five hours of the game and we start thinking, okay, what are... How are all of our plans for what we're doing up to the final shape going to make sure that when we get to the final shape, that this culmination of the story that we've been telling for 10 years is, is epic and is doing all right. the right things. And so that was the, that was the first mindset we were in. We were just like yeah. absorbing a bunch of this, talking about, hey, what's right? What's wrong? What are we doing in the next few seasons? What are we doing in the final shape itself to make sure all this is landing? And then I think as we sort of got through that, as we start seeing, hey, here's what people are doing with Strand. Hey, here's here's how the raid is going. Here's how this new content is going. Um, I always start to start picking out the things that are really working well. And I say, okay, this is working well. This is working well. Are we are we doing more of that in the next several seasons? Are we doing that in the final shape? Um, I it is almost impossible to have a game that does 
everything at a 10 out of 10. Like it, there's some stupid Twitter meme where someone's like, so again, it's 10 out of 10 like, of these things. With yeah. the Tony Hawk underground, for example. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I really get That's one of those every, every generation. Really. Yeah. Um, but ultimately I think what people are looking for is your game is doing something special. And so what are the things that we are capable of doing that are special? And every time we sort of find out new things about that and mm -hmm. then, I want to go and back and make sure. Hey, are we investing in this stuff that's special? Like, are we are we doing this? And sometimes we need to be doing things that are special. And like, hey, we just missed the mark, and this is like a thing that we're known for, and that needs attention too. Like, but but ultimately, I think it's about like uncovering some of that gold. Or hey, are the things that the things that were exciting last year still exciting? And making sure we're investing in the right stuff, making sure we're focused on that and that we're delivering it. Um, you know, no one knew how big sort of the end game content was going to be for Destiny when it first came out. That was a reaction to that. And that became this, mm. like, oh, there's like this whole special thing about Destiny. It's like, okay, well, how do we how do we invest in that? And then over mm. the years, it's been about like, okay, the end game of Destiny is so cool. There's a lot. There's like all this activity content that you can't find anywhere else in a shooter. And we've really tried to be like, okay, but like, shouldn't you experience that in hour two of Destiny? Like, why is it... 20 hours away and so oh. we're, we're trying to take those things that like destiny does really well and just be like oh, if, if you download this game you are going to experience this before you leave i promise mm -hmm. right and so right. yeah that, that 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 starts to happen with every release and that's that starts with, to be what we get to and and sort of like looking at that list and saying are we still investing in the right stuff are we still doing the right stuff yeah as, as thing, the, oh, sorry. No, I, was, I was going to comment. Uh, as an outsider looking in again, it kind of feels like you guys are building bridges and resurfacing and rebuilding those bridges as you're building the bridge. It's almost like you kind of have to fast forward time to build this bridge to your content strategy because it's a it's a lot of of again a lot of noise, a lot of people commenting, and and I imagine your pipeline for that feedback has got to be pretty at this point you know, spanning the time you guys worked on the games, it's got to be pretty straightforward or rather streamlined for you guys as a team to build it out effectively. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think that you're building the plane as you fly it uh, constantly, you know, monitoring the city. I think you could go back to, to sports and say, yeah, it's just like, there's another game coming next week. And this is the, the meta of basketball is changing, right? Like, and, and we need to be able to do these things. And this is the kind of team that we're playing against next week. Um, this is a really hard skill to to acquire. The Bungie's been really fortunate in growing it uh, over this years, and it's still it never gets easier. I think is the thing that sometimes people they get into this and they're like, "Hey, we can make development easy." I'm like, "Uh, you can't make it easy." Um, it's like it's like being like, "Hey, I want to get a six pack, and eventually working out will be easy." I'm like, "It'll never be easy, right? You can you can make it so you don't get hurt." When you do it you can make it so um you're better at doing it but it's always going to be hard um and yeah i think it's it's growing through that thing and learning how we're doing it better um mm. but i i think there is a real uh wake-up call for a bunch of people that are like is it gonna be easy next year <laughs> it's, not, it's not gonna be easy next year well that that's actually a whole uh, block of questions that we want to ask about in terms of live service support Bungie's um position in the industry on that your learnings on that before i do that though i kind of just want to close off one question in relation to lightfall and that's about the raid which obviously has dropped its uh root of nightmares um 
lot of discussion in the community with relation to that raid and how quickly it was beaten on contest mode and its current difficulty tuning right now on normal. So, I mean, you're across all that noise. I think anyone watching Destiny is going to be across that as well. What's your general take on that discussion? And in particular, did Bungie go into this planning to make a raid that was quite easy or did that sort of happen by mistake or like, yeah, I guess th- those are the, those are the broad questions that I'm asking. Yeah. And, and so for, uh, this is like really close to home for me. I, I grew up on the mean streets of raid design. Uh, <laughs> my history before getting into development was like, I was a super hardcore raider in, in other games. Uh, and this was like, I, I love this stuff. So, um, We've seen this uh, a lot. I think again, going back to something that we talked about before, which is the like how your content hits when a million people play it. There's always a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so throughout the years, we've had raids, world first races that have gone on for uh, almost 24 hours. We've had and raid races minutes. that have gone yeah. on, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> an hour, right? That are like at an, an hour 30. Um, uh i i think back to so we have this right at the end of destiny one called wrath of the machine i think it's time is time to completion was like uh, two hours and five minutes or right under two hours um and i can remember being in the uh, the theater the whole raid team used to get in the theater and watch the world first race we had to twitch up and we'd all be sitting in the things and we we're like whoo that was fast right like that was <laughs> that was really fast and and are people going to be mad about this? And I think initially there was this whole wave of people that were like, oh, this raid is too easy. And, you know, what, what happened? We just had this other big raid. And then that sentiment quickly blew over into this thing that was, oh, this raid is so fun, right? And it's like, I, I love to do it every time. And so I think one of the things that we first say is that, like, we in talking to a bunch of designers that have maybe never seen this feedback before is, Hey, one thing that we know that does not correlate is the time to beat a world's first race to the longevity, the ranking, how much fun this thing is. Um, sure. and, and one thing that I think we really like about it is that no matter where the, the time is, it's an even race for everyone. You may not know if it's going to be a marathon or it's going to be a sprint, but everyone had the same challenge laid in front of them when they did it. Now, I, I think getting into this, now we think about, okay, what is going on in the Destiny sandbox? What did we like about this experience and what didn't we like? And so this is the exact thing that we talked about earlier when we talked about that feedback cycle and the team is looking into it and they're saying, okay, well, uh, what what should a Destiny contest day one look like? How long should it take? How many people uh, are beating it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we look at those numbers, but we still say, okay, but in the... F- final shape right like that name's got a lot going on with it what should that experience be like and and should it be like this and so all the team is looking into that and i think they're they're um they're reacting to that feedback again i don't want to get out in front of the team who's been looking at this for for four days and saying hey this is the thing we're committed to um but i will say they are uh looking at their strategy for the year uh and i i think making a bunch of really smart decisions based off that so yeah, they're seeing the whole conversation. They're figuring out, hey, hey, where where are we going from here? Okay. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, well, circling back to that whole live service discussion thing, uh, it's quite topical, the whole live service discussion, because uh, right now there are plenty, or in the last 12, 18 months, a lot of live services kind of dropping like flies. Um, Destiny is one of the true live service success stories. So my question to you is, why is that? Like, what have you guys managed to figure out that other people have not? 
Um, yeah, I think I think the number one, there's like a there's an interesting bungee culture bit where uh when we get hit with a tidal wave of like, oh, this thing is really hard, the studio is really good at rallying and picking up the pieces and figuring out what we want to do next. And that's like all live service is all the time. And so I think one of these things that like is really important for studios getting into this is like, hey, how resilient are you? Because again, we'll go back to the the sports analogy here. If every Friday you've got to get up to the batter's box and like swing at this thing. You're going to strike out sometimes. Baseball, right? Just to make sure. Uh, baseball. 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 Okay. Baseball. 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 I was confused. I was like, okay. Sorry, I we, can go the... to, we can go to cricket here if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it does not help me personally. It does not help at <laughs> all. Okay. And, and so I, I think that um, even a bunch of our peers that we look at that are excellent at this, I think you could go look at their, their track record. And a bunch of it, a bunch of their success stories is when they released a thing that wasn't quite right, when they had a really hard thing, they were really resilient about it and were able to bounce back. And this, it's really hard to launch a live service uh, and it's really hard to maintain it. So you have to get over that first hurdle. And then once you do, once you're like, okay, so this is what it's like to maintain this thing. This is what it's like to like, we just, we birthed a baby into the world. Now we have to take care of it, right? Like, um, you can look at a bunch of people that make it through that first year. It's it's always very challenging, and then like, okay, sort of get it now. We sort of understand. It's a it's also I think really a a thing that is a is a hard lesson for a bunch of folks is it you work on this thing for so long and no one knows what it is until you but you right and it's the specific thing in your mind and with live service it's a living thing after that. And it's a living thing that is shaped by millions of people playing it. And I think there has to be this instant like that you give this up and you say, okay, now we're gonna listen, right? And we're gonna like listen to, to what folks want this thing to be because it might not be exactly what we thought it was. And what we thought is important might not be the important thing. And I think you'll see a lot of the success stories like really growing from a bunch of that and really uh, we have this value at Bungie that we call like strong ideas loosely held. You got to have ideas. You got to be able to bring things to the table, but you got to be able to put them down and you got to be able to say, okay, I know I thought that thing, I thought it was going to be so good. And you're like, but it wasn't right. And so here's this other thing that people are saying is so good. Like, well, let's go invest in that. Let's go make the game more about that. Um, mm. and it's really challenging. Yeah. Right. Right. That's got to be really tricky as a super fan who's also in leadership, right? Like, do you find yourself ever butting head? I, I assume there's other people on the team that are just as hardcore as you. People are going to have different feelings either way. Like, are you super data driven or are you guys like running by feel sometimes? Uh, oh, this well, is a great industry term. Uh, we consider ourselves data informed, uh, which is different than data driven, uh, right? And so, we like to know uh, what what all the different data coming from the game is telling us. We we don't want to be we don't want to let the data drive the car um, because sometimes the data can drive the car into a very dangerous direction and and you are sort of responsible for knowing that. Um, I I think there's 
yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this selfishly that if it is very hard to win in live service and be able to survive in live service, if your team does not love the thing that they're making, yeah, right. if you look at if you look at a bunch of the things that are being made and being successful year over year, there's generally a company culture around that of like, okay, and these people, they know it, they love it, they understand it, um, and they're part of it. And you need that diversity of opinions on your on your game inside. You need a bunch of different people. If you know, if we were just making X developers version of Destiny, it would look very different. It would look very specific. We'd only be making the things they loved. So we need that sort of big, big enough group to understand and, and those people to be getting more opinions. And um, yeah, that really helps. But I think it's very hard to uh, to stay relevant in this game if you don't love it, because the potential for someone else that loves the genre that you're in to come in and service those players to give them what they want is so high. Uh, if you're not providing it right i think that's the do you think so i i I was gonna ask that like because uh, do you think that the live service market is all carved up the barriers to entries are so high that it's not impossible but extraordinarily difficult for someone to come along and eat your lunch or as you described there do you think someone could come along and do that because i mean i've got my own view on that but i'm just interested to hear yours uh yeah specifically talking about uh destiny and i I won't i won't try to say too much of our secret sauce but i think it's it's pretty apparent uh one of the most challenging things about making destiny that i think is like a really hard thing for someone to come up and take the mountain is many years ago bungie set out to make a game that was like we want an rpg that you can play forever and oh it also has to have industry-leading action game in it. And those two things hate each other. They hate <laughs> each other. Those two ideas hate each other with every core of their being. And the thing that that really makes this challenging is if you go in there, you say, okay, I can make the I can make the RPG. Like, okay, great. Um, but if you play that game for five minutes, then you're like, ah, just like killing things doesn't feel as good on this game uh, that's a pretty big moat that we have and then i think of the opposite mm-hmm. if you have the, like hey we've got the hit feel and they're like but i i beat the game and i'm done and you're like yep and so i think a bunch of people and sorry i think every live service has some combination of these things these like impossible things that they've decided yes we're going to take on both of these mm-hmm. um and the ones that feel really hard to say, hey, I want to, I want to live in that space too. I think of taking on some impossible trek. That every day is a challenge, and every day someone is like, oh man, wouldn't it just be easier if we didn't have to care about this thing? And I'm like, yes, it would, it would. But I don't <laughs> think we'd still be around if that was the case. So, yeah, right. So, what do you think Destiny's legacy is in the medium of video games, and how do you think it has had a positive effect? Uh yeah i think one thing that is really surprising to me with with destiny is um it's a story of um a game from that was not expected coming around and and sticking around in ways people didn't think that it would right i think people are like oh this is going to be halo and then it came out and it was not it was not that video game and then people said okay well then is it going to be a failure then we're like 
No, it's not. And it's not because we we released this thing and we listened to the community and we learned from it and we made it into this other beautiful thing that can last for a very long time. Um, I think we still, I, I hope that we still have the the legacy of like, this game is, you know, is approaching its 10th year anniversary and there's still something that is so special about the way that uh, firing a gun feels and like, how you maintain that over a bunch of years and don't feel aged. Like I think one of the things that we all feel really proud of when we have a, a streamer, you know, coming from some other game playing destiny for the first time, they're like, how does this game feel so great to play? Right. And they're expecting, because, you know, we didn't, we didn't release a new box last year that that's not possible. And I, I think that's a real Testament to, to a bunch of the hard work that's been done and, and it's still really, really getting in there. Um, I think, other than that, like it, it, we got to let the history books decide, right? And I think that um, we've done a lot of things that that nobody else has tried before, and some of them we've landed, and people were like, "Oh, I didn't know you could do that in a game." Um, but but others, I think that um, it's still time will tell, and and we'll learn more. So I don't I don't want to uh, uh, jinx it too much here by trying to predict the future. So. So obviously, Final Shape is next year, right? It's definitely next year. It's, it's not getting pushed to like twenty twenty five or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll go back to the go back to the basketball analogy here. Right? There's always <laughs> sure, a new, sure. new this guy with his basketball. Oh my gosh! Going back to basketball. Yeah. Got it. So, We're not in baseball anymore, right? Uh, that's We're not right. In baseball. Not a cricket. Not baseball. Yeah. So, uh, so obviously, we know that um, like Final Shape is going to conclude this saga. Uh, and obviously, you're not going to disclose what comes next per se. Obviously, um, but I I wonder if wouldn't it be exciting if I it did, would be pretty cool. Yeah, we right. would love it. We yeah. would love it so yeah. much. But Destiny we three no confirmed right here, right now. Um, but I wonder if you could give us any kind of insight at all into like what you're looking towards and what what part of that might be somewhat different from what the destiny we understand now or see now. Right? Is there any kind of like directional visionary pillars that you're like that is that is one of the the norths for us that we're aiming for? Is there anything like that you can talk about? Uh, yeah, I think what we first of all we we really still love this thing that we make and we still want to make sure that um hey if you like this intersection of rpg and shooter that whoa destiny is the game that you should be playing and that bungie is the the people that should be making it and we should be providing that for people for a long time um i think the plane that we really want to land here and that we want to do is like saying hey we've been telling this story in destiny about it's the pyramid versus the traveler for a long time. I think we really want to say like, Hey, we can close off chapters of destiny and then we can show what else this universe has to offer. And then we can show what else is going on. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do, right? You, you get in a lot of uh, IP and they just like, Hey, we have this thing. We know people like it. Let's like crank it back out over and over and over again. Um, I think that the thing that we're really excited about is like, hey, let's give people a satisfying conclusion to the narrative that we've been saying here. And then let's open a new door and let's say, mm. oh, here's the other thing. How, how do you feel about that? And I think with that, we're, we're always looking at the system game. We're always looking at the like, hey, what's working about this? What do we want the next saga of Destiny to be like? How do we want it to feel? Um, Bungie, if 
one thing is not afraid to take risks and surprise people with how uh, our games evolve and the you know the way they evolve. So yeah, we're we're excited for y'all to learn more in the future. Um, but I think it will be surprising. I think it will. That's the one thing that we can always say. Okay. Like when we do these things, so it's always going to be a little bit surprising. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, um, we're out of time. Um, we'd love to keep chatting, but obviously we know you're busy with your quadruple booked 2 PMs. Uh, but yeah, we just want to say a massive thank you for being here. It's uh, fantastic to be able to speak to you and, you know, congratulations on the success of the game uh, ongoing. I mean, obviously I, like many people, am addicted to it for a reason uh, <laughs> and love it for a reason. So uh, yeah, just uh, thank you for all the work that you guys do and thank you for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me. And again, Jake, when the Tony Hawk's Underground episode comes out, like, yeah, yeah just invite me. We'll, well, we'll, right. we'll, we'll have four hours yeah. <laughs> in that busy schedule. <laughs> All right. Take care, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. All right. Uh, there you go. Thank you guys for listening to that. Uh, Lucy, I understand you couldn't make it. You got the Lego Rivendell set so yeah and i was just busy it's a big deal. no i <laughs> no, I, I was on a plane um and it was just very very tight getting back um so i am excited to watch it back because you all know that i've been threatening to dip my toe into destiny i do have lightfall downloaded but i've been playing some other stuff uh, yes. in the meantime. i will get there ralph i promise it's I cool mean, you, you can turn you green won't. you can turn you green don't and worry, play basketball been- and like do do spider-man stuff but you got to be a green man in it. And also there's this weird guy with like a smokestack for a head. Oh, and man, I was so confused. Then they second. all drive pyramids and it's pretty cool. They do. Wait, yep. what? That's my review. <laughs> that is his accurate law, law accurate review of destiny two and uh, a recap of the storyline. Oh so. my God. <laughs> I'm not, sh- I'm not sure I want to check it out now. Cause it sounds no. crazy. I want to check it out. more. Well, in all seriousness I- with this uh, interview, uh, Ralph, you got any like immediate takeaways from it? Um, no, I think it was really good to talk to Joe. Obviously, he's not going to be able to give away the farm, no pun intended to any Destiny fans, uh, with regards to what he says. But I always, I'm just, I was very interested to hear his thoughts on live service and what it takes to be successful because, yeah, like they are dropping like flies in general throughout the industry or like are they either turn up and they last for a little while or they just disappear or they, they arrive, they bomb straight away and that's the whole narrative, you know, going forward. So- just to hear his insight into how they've managed to stand up and support that service, particularly around that culture of enjoying the game. I thought that was such an interesting thing for him to say, like, if you're going to stick with a live service and actually manage it, then, yeah, your people need to like the thing that they're working on. And one thing that Bungie has always been famous for, always, is that, well, certainly in the Destiny era, is that their people actually play Destiny. They really do. And I certainly speak to a lot of game devs who don't play their own games. Uh, and that is a differentiator. And you can really feel that in the way that that comes through and what he said to us. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, would have would have loved a little bit more of the specifics on on Destiny and what's next and what have you. But I get it. Like he's he has to do his do his thing as a, as a, as a leader, and he doesn't want to give away too much. But it was still really appreciative of his um of his perspective. So yeah. Well, good chat. I think. Good yeah, I, I I think we got some good stuff out of him. Uh, let's move yeah. on to our first. Viewer, listener, submitted question of the a user. user I got question. It. Oh, sorry. Yeah, well, actually, that's what <laughs> we're you, officially. Did you know now? Earlier. By the way, that in the email when I get emails, they're mm-hmm. all titled "user question." User question. <laughs> <Excellent. Thank you. laughs> I love yeah. you guys. Thank you. Yes. User question. That's great. Right. A user welcome, question because they love this project so much. <laughs> 
That's <laughs> right. Oh, the the uh, like, it was the with the crypto bros with the projects and dude, the NFTs. The amount of crypto uh, and NFT and AI interview requests I'm getting for GDC. I pol- I respond to every single one very politely, and I just say my presence at the show this year is very limited. But thank you. <laughs> very interested to hear uh, more about this project. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. All right. So the where were we? The email is uh, questions at friendspersecond.com. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, it is not Jake. Okay, do no. not listen to Jake. Sorry. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> You just lost the hardest on the Australian, Australian no. Australian no. <laughs> Do not roast the Australian no, okay? Um, the address is actually contact at friendsforsecond.com. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so this comes from user uh, Shahil. If I got your name right, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. I mispronounced it, but uh, they ask, last week you mentioned that gamer bods are the new dad bods. That makes me wonder what each of you do. Sorry, what each of you do to stay active. Are there any gamer specific workouts or exercises that you do or know of that are not your typical mainstream workout or exercise? Um, I don't want to start. Do any of us <laughs> work out? Like, I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think we've ever, I don't think we've ever spoken yeah, I about I it. Like, I don't look it, but I do. Same. I, I definitely don't look it, but I do. Same. There you go. See, and Jake, you have a whole apparatus in your own home to facilitate oh, yeah. it. Apparatus sounds. That's why I just have a Peloton yeah. that I use sometimes. Yeah. I do like three days, three to four days a week. Uh, not as much time as I would want, and I try to just eat normal lunches um Mm. i try not to just go for quick and easy like fast food or something like that i don't drink a lot of soda and it's hard because i love soda more than anything um i have kind of i've 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 been around so many people in my life that just drink soda all day at work and i want to be that person so bad but uh i just drink seltzer and water and that has helped me significantly uh, I don't have any gamer type workouts other than that. I like getting sweaty in VR as gross as that sounds. I've tried a lot of the workout programs. I've tried the I forgot what it's called, but I, I tried the Peloton subscription equivalent of VR game uh, on, on mm. Quest. Oh, the boxing right. one sure. or like the on the bike riding one. There's like a there's like a no, there's like a four quest. There was I, I don't remember the name of it, but is it's, it just it's like it's not just boxing. It's more of like a movement yeah. type. I know thing. that one. I know, I know that one. It's, yeah, mean. I know the one. But I still about, think Pistol Whip is like the best workout. That's like the John Wick sure. style game. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm jealous of the people that can go on a treadmill or an exercise bike all day and just like crush a JRPG. I can't do that. <laughs> like I, I just I can't. I have it's something with my attention or my brain mm. or lack thereof. But do you guys do anything like that? Do you game while working out? So uh, I. We so okay so since the chronic fatigue diagnosis, I've had to pull back. Not that I was ever the most active person, but I've had to pull back um, because the whole thing about chronic fatigue is just managing energy levels, as nebulous as that is. Uh, but what I do have is I have a standing desk and an under the desk treadmill. Oh. So sometimes if I feel kind of have the wherewithal to do it i will put the the treadmill under and i'll just kind of gently walk and type and just get moving a little bit which is fun i used to play a lot of beat saber but now that's my oculus is there gathering dust dragula Mm. which is a song that i definitely legally obtained 
and didn't <laughs> sideload into no. my Beat Saber uh, is the best song to dance to. It's a good idea. It is incredible. Have you done the Have you done the Rasputin one? Oh Oh, no, I've done it in Just Dance before. Okay, it's top tier in in Beat Saber. Trust, trust, trust. Um, I don't do any gamer stuff, but I I do this thing called Body Attack. What is that? Anyone ever heard of this? No. So just basically picture aerobics. That's what it is. It's aerobics. Okay. Just, you see, well, I'm like, picturing Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie Perfect. That's what I think about every day. Well, she's going to be on the podcast. She's going to be on the podcast one day. You just know it. We're going to play that clip back. No. We're going to play that clip back when she appears on the podcast. I literally know her so well, it's a phone call away. So, like, please don't. I'm sorry. No, I mean, like, I meant it as a compliment. She's an icon for that. No, no, no. We genuinely had, when I was still living with the Millers, we just watched Perfect with her and John Travolta and we were just like, oh, yeah. They're too attractive. They're both yeah, the same in that movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's my thing. Body attack. I, it's, don't look up any clips for it, by the way. <laughs> I play a little game called Dance Dance Revolution. Uh, I have an arcade cabinet in my house, and I try and play it at least two to four times a week. Whoa. Um, wow. I, go, cool. I go for about... Uh, I try and, and go for as long as I can, but I, I usually go for about 20 to, to 30 minutes. Um and uh, what I've been doing is I actually modded my cabinet to have a PC next to it so I can stream on Twitch and DDR fans will like donate bits and choose the song and the difficulty. And so I'll try and use that as my my self-motivated challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I did it a lot before I joined G4 and then I got G4 and that time went away. But uh, I'm slowly working my way back into it. That's, That's a cool awesome. way to do it. That's really wanna, cool. It's almost like a little bit of accountability, too, because it's like... Mm. Fun yeah. game time. You're streaming. That's yeah. that's awesome. Did it's any of you play Ring exhausting. Fit? Oh, I'll bet. No, I haven't. Ring Fit was Did, a little weird. Yeah, I, I, I like thought it was it okay. A lot. It's, like, it, Ring Fit's fun, but I also feel like there are so many ways to cheat it that if you're not playing with someone in the room, <laughs> there's like not really. You know, I'm not that like we need to cheat at a, at a fitness game, but I don't know, like. That was the one thing about We Fit I didn't like because We Fit was yeah. like a, it's a board and if you just step on it that counts as like doing the activity. But We Fit was a judgy little bitch. It sure was. <laughs> it absolutely was. Hi Lucy, it's been two hundred and fifty three days since you last turned this on. Yeah, yeah I know. Ring Fit's it's nicer about it. You problem board, okay? Oh, the only Ring other thing I the only other thing I do is uh, my dog keeps me pretty active. My dog has this issue. I don't know if it's a medical issue or what, but. He can only poop if I chase him. So we have to do laps around the backyard. Hell yes. And it's so annoying. Right. Like That's he can so te- like he scratches at the back door like I got to go like you can tell. But then when you let him out he doesn't do anything. He has to like run it out of him kind of. He has to feel the fear you first. Have to, before you have to, he's willing to do that. You have you know? to put the fear of God in your dog in order for him to take a crap. It's more like he just needs to like kind of like get his his blood cuz he's like he goes out and he goes, "Okay, are you going to chase me? Let's go." And I'm like, "Oh my god, sometimes it's like raining or it's 2 degrees oh outside." I love Can him. you listen? Please do me a favor, okay? Next time you do this, ask your wife or just set up 
just film this. I yeah. want to we, see this. We need okay? to see it. Please, can you film? And we're we going to do. And I want to do a super it. cut. And I want to have it on the podcast. Please, we need to see it. We just it Please. needs to happen. It's now a whole. The imagery is there. It's a We need thing. a social cut. We need social cut. So we do. Sometimes know? he doesn't like. You got to like. You know, a toy or something oh, he, to get him to run. Performance anxiety is what you're saying. Yeah, so you gotta like give him a toy, like, yeah. throw a toy sure. around. But like, you know, a lot of times there's not a toy. So like, I have uh, like a garbage can lid, and I kind of like Captain America around with him and like chase him with that. <laughs> like I could do this all day. And then I also, as you guys know, I, I practice lightsaber like as a real thing. I'm trying to like learn moves and stuff. And I have a practice one in the backyard. And sometimes like we play around with that because he tries to bite it and chase me with it. So I just got to like run him around so he can poop. And if I'm not I there, I don't see, know what's going to happen. I want to see, I wanna the see the clip of you holding a garbage shield in one hand and a lightsaber in the other. I've done it. Chasing your dog, dog trying to get him to poop. It okay? sounds I need fake, to see but this. it's real. <laughs> it's real. I need to see this, please. I just look at him and I'm, I go, if it, were, if it was the end of the world and there's no humans around, what, how, what are you going to do? How, how many likes would it take on this video to get you to post this clip? <laughs> is it 10,000 likes on this video? Is it 20,000? <laughs> how many is it going to take, Jake? Okay? This is not real, dude. <laughs> it can't be real. What, dude. Do, it is real. what do you yell while you're running after him? Oh, no. I'm just like, come on, buddy. Let's go. Come on. Aww. Like, please go. Please go make. Go make potty. Go make go. <laughs> Please go. On, dude, please, please go, dude. Please go. Bang, 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 bang. Please go. Fucking hell. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, oh, I Good needed question. that. I needed that. Oh. Thank you, Jake. Oh. Thank you, Jake. Let us know below if you have to do weird shit to make your dog shit. <laughs> we would love to hear your stories <laughs> for why this, how this happens. Oh. If this is just a Jake thing or not. I don't know. What's oh. your dog called? Boston. 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 Yeah. Boston. Shout out to Boston. You uh, have to you have to viscerally attack Boston with the lightsaber and a trash okay, can. Okay, listen. Lid. No, I don't. <laughs> His tail's <laughs> wagging the whole time. He loves it. <laughs> he loves it. He loves gonna get a call. He's gonna get a call from whatever like the animal protective animal, services. Animal control services. I've had reports that uh, you've been threatening your dog with a lightsaber and a garbage can. He he's <laughs> like, Come on, chase me. He has to do like four <laughs> laps before the poop comes out. It's oh, terrible. Okay. Anyway, Collapse. that's my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this week, uh, or roughly this week, because we're at every other week podcast, we're going to run through some of the releases. Uh, we have Lightfall, Scars Above, uh, Woe Long, Fallen Dynasty did drop. Uh, check out the last podcast. We did talk about that a little bit. Uh, Dead Cells Return to Castlevania Before Your Eyes got its PSVR 2 release. And of course, the Resident Evil 4 remake. First and foremost, I think we should talk about Lightfall. Now, mm. Ralph, uh, you're the guy. So you're talking to three <laughs> people who don't really play. Yes. You're overall positive, but there was this whole thing where people didn't like it at first. Yes. Uh, well, I think there's definitely need to say that there's still a lot of people that don't like this expansion. And uh, I would say that anyone who is on the fence about destiny plays a little bit of it, you know, jumps in and out. Those people, I think are generally pretty negative on this. Uh, and they're like, yeah, there's not really enough here to like justify me coming back in and, and spending my money and time. I'd say that uh, for the really hardcore players, you know, some of them really like it obviously because it has some really cool things like strand, for example, is a new subclass. It's fantastic. It's one of the best things that Bungie's ever done full stop. They love it. 
Um, there's some cool in-game activities. There's some nice new sort of guns to collect with perks and whatever. But bottom line for a lot of players like myself, it's just more destiny. And we're okay with just more destiny, even if it doesn't like pop off and it's incredible, right? Same time, obviously, there are some hardcore players that are like, no, this is really shit. They hated the story campaign. They hate the new raid. It's very easy to complete and hardcore players are disappointed with that. Uh, PvP is like languishing. Bungie does not give it anywhere near enough resources to sort of keep that scene alive. And a lot of PvP um, PvP players have moved on. So, um, yeah, I think that's how that breaks. And then obviously there's like people like yourselves who just don't play Destiny. And the question is like, would you recommend Destiny Lightfall to those people? Is it a jumping in point for the franchise? I had hoped that I could say yes, but I don't think it's the case. Like, I just think that there are still some big gaps in the game that make it very difficult to um, come in, become a Destiny fan. And that's one of the things that Joe mentioned on the podcast where we talked about new player onboarding and he's like, well, we've thought about like some system stuff, but now we're going to start thinking about how we introduce people to the world. And one of the big problems with them vaulting content, pulling previous you know expansions out of the game, it does make it very hard to step in and feel like you're really connected to these characters, this universe. That'll get easier, I suspect, after Final Shape because that's the end of that saga and a new saga will begin or perhaps even Destiny 3. Who knows? But um, but for now, it just feels like you're really coming in on like episode nine of a, you know, a 10, 10, 10 episode mm. season, you know? Um, so, yeah, look, unfortunately, it definitely has not hit the same highs that Witch Queen did. That was a real knock it out of the park kind of affair on most fronts. Um, this one is just a bit, yeah. I mean, IGN just issued their review six out of 10. It's mostly negative on Steam, uh, 33% positive, which is pretty disastrous, to be honest. Um, so is it the story? Not- is it like the campaign that's really letting people down? Yeah, the story really sucks. Like, it's hard to describe just how much it sucks, but it really, really sucks. Because, like- I like the setup. on its own. The setup seemed yeah, cool. Yeah, well, the, the, the setup is very cool, and that's the thing. Like, we've kind of had two years of Bungie really nailing the story side of things- and we've like, and we feel like we move past this meme where Destiny has no story or Bungie don't know what they're doing with story. Like we were past that. We were like, haha, you guys are using old information when you throw that in a Destiny fan's face. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, well, actually, we are still back there, and it feels so disappointing on that level because we just had such high hopes for it. It's the penultimate chapter in the saga. It's meant to be big. It's big shit is meant to happen, and it's almost no exaggeration to say. That basically nothing happens in this expansion. Like it's it's essentially oh. one cutscene split huh. in two. You see the first half of the cutscene at the beginning of the expansion. Oh. You see the second half of the same cutscene at the end. Oh. Everything in the middle is just kind of filler that doesn't really make sense, and um, it's just kind of a uh, tutorial for the new strand subclass. So um, everything good that Lightfall does f- is sort of under the shadow of that disappointing campaign. And it really, it really sort of like takes the wind out of the sails across the across the board, you know. Is the strand so? As someone who just experienced like some of the campaign, uh, is the strand subclass as much of a game changer as it feels? Because the campaign just yeah, kind of drip is. feeds it to you, but it seems like it's a blast. Yeah. It is. It's super fun. And if there's anything that's going to make a Destiny fan out of someone who's not interested or bring someone back, it will probably be be strand. It's a grapple based class. It's so mobile. It's very up like up close and personal. It opens up a very different play style to anything that's existed before in the game. And so it's a real, it is a game changer, I think. And Bungie cannot get enough, cannot get enough credit for that. As in like, it's just difficult to to overstate how good that is and how much they nailed that that part of the, of the game. Um, 
But that's really that and the loadouts, you know, like the fact that you can switch between different gear sets now very quickly. That's big. They're like the two things that they really slam dunked. Yeah, cool. Just mm-hmm. well done. Everything else is a bit more like, eh, there's some problems with this. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a bummer, to be honest with you, because I, I mean, we're all very excited for it. There's still lots of reasons to be excited for the future of Destiny, but it does feel as though, like, again, coming back to what Joe said, they view it as a, as a like, they're playing sports. It's like a basketball game. And it's like, you go out there at the start of, I don't know, a semi a semi-final and you lose the match, you can still win the championship, right? I have no idea what I'm talking about, I, by the way. I'm you just, had me I'm fooled. just using I words. Was like, I'm just using no words sports. now. But you can lose something and then still win the big thing at the end is my point, okay? And I guess this feels like a, a, a losing round right mm. now for the franchise. And we're really hoping that when it comes to the final shape, the grand final, that uh, Bungie can actually, like, you know, stick the landing. Oh, wait, it's actually called The Final Shape. It actually is called The Final Shape, yeah. Oh, I thought yeah. you were joking. It's, no, no. <laughs> it's a very odd name. But, like, yeah, because I, I, the shapes are actually quite- um, this, this traveler is circular, and what's attacking it is the, the pyramid. pyramids, the tri- triangular. And so, uh, you know, the final shape is kind of like, well, what is that? Is you it know? the Klingon? So, <laughs> Lucy's face right now for anyone on the podcast. Lucy's face is like- Hmm, interesting. Oh, okay, <laughs> right. Um, I didn't so, realize that, yeah. I don't know, it feels like I've come shapes. full circle for learning about shapes like when I was four. Preschool. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The final <laughs> shape. It is. You know like what? I, reference. Playing, playing Destiny when it first came out, uh, talking about the Traveler, Wizards coming from the moon, could yep. never have predicted that another antagonist <laughs> would have been a fucking triangle. <laughs> the real enemy all along was the triangle. The three-sided shape. <laughs> the three-sided triangle. That's right. So, uh, yeah. I'm still so interested. That's... I just need to get around to playing it. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I think if we, we spoke about Destiny mm. before this Lightfall launch, and I'm like, yeah, it's really exciting that you're going to play Destiny now or whatever else. And now I've played Lightfall. Mm. I'm like, well, I, I would say you probably don't need to play now. And, like, it's just that that's- that's one of the biggest disappointments because as a Destiny fan, we all want to be able to say to people, totally, man, you should play Destiny. It rules. It's so cool. But like, we can't really do that right now. And Lightfall, we haven't been able to do that kind of ever, I feel like, because it's had too many issues with Destiny. And we really hope that Lightfall was that thing where we'd be like, nah, man, this is sick. You should totally jump on this. Fortunately, it's not that. And um, it does feel like waiting until Final Shape might be the better jumping in point. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Lightfall, man. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for Destiny content for Destiny players. Yeah, I'm happy yeah. for you guys. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm always happy yeah. for my Destiny friends. I got Destiny friends. I don't know what they're talking about. There was there was like a thing where you used Jimmy. to be you used to be able to like beat the like a raid and get like a cool jacket in real life. Oh, oh you yeah. can. St- I love yeah, that. You can still do that. I wish yeah, they had games the like that for me. Like, the jacket's like three hundred dollars or something, man. So it's like it's like you earned it. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> so if you've got the cash for it, sure, it's a nice little perk. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not cheap. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Next up, the embargo is dropping, uh, or it has dropped. Reviews have dropped for Resident Evil Four. Uh, if you're listening or watching, uh, I have been playing through it uh, at the time of recording this podcast. So full disclosure, not finished with the game. I am uh, for Resident Evil Four fans. This isn't like a spoiler, but like I'm, I'm pretty much at the end of the castle main gist of the Ramon Ramon Salazar stuff. Uh, so take that for what you will. 
very early first impressions. I'm still forming my actual opinions on it. Uh, but it's cool. It's very cool. I It's so hard for me because I love Resident Evil. And 4 is the weird one. 4 is the one where things shifted uh, back in the day. Uh, and some Resident Evil fans are not into that shift. Uh, and now with the new one, that shift feels even more apparent coming off of uh, 2 and 3 remake and even 7 and 8. Uh, mm. 4 is just this weird ass thing. And I think that still has a place just because it's so strange. And I'm happy that they I, I can confirm that they've kept a lot of the weirdness uh, there's some stuff that I, I don't totally jive with. I guess I'll get those off right, right off the bat here. Uh, Leon's performance here, like his voice actor, it, it didn't work for me. Uh, in oh, the original, like in the, wow. in the original Resident Evil four, he was pretty monotone, but like, cool. This one, I don't know. <laughs> I just, the, the way the voice actor is doing it, it sounds more bored than anything. Where's everyone going? Bingo. <laughs> away go. Yeah. Um, I also will say that, and I, I talked this up a lot in videos. I this might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think they quite nailed the intro. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So the the actual village fight with uh, the chainsaw that's all good, but the the reveal at the start and like, oh, what's going on, and and just the way it was directed in the original game. I'm glad that they didn't try and copy it because I don't think they they nailed it. But like, I don't think what they did Im- improves upon it too much. Um, again, I'm still like working through these thoughts. Um, otherwise, like a lot, a lot of shit is really cool. I think Ashley's a little more interesting. Uh, the way they do Ada and like all that stuff is a little more interesting. Uh, even the intro, like the the intro cutscene in the old game when he's like, "Oh, umbrella!" Like they add a couple of lines that kind of make things a little better, a little bit more cohesive. And yeah, I, I appreciate stuff like that as like a Resident Evil fan. Uh, I, I can't spoil some things, but you know, they're, I, I'm ta- I don't want to, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Um, well, I've, I've played up to I've, uh, El Lago, okay. the lake. So I've put a couple hours in. I snuck around to Tams <laughs> and he was like, yeah, you can just play. It's fine. Um, <laughs> The thing that I'm, I'm really, really enjoying it, and I replayed uh, four not too long ago, and like the thing I would say about it with regard to remake is that I'm not finding myself jumping, or and obviously four was like way more action focused anyway, but I guess I thought from the early trailers and whatnot that they were going for that grittier thing with this, and I'm not necessarily getting that, but I'm having a blast. The way that like. Um, encounters seem to change i did the opening um a couple times and like one time i went up the tower and they pulled the floor down but then another time i went up the tower and they didn't do that and so i'm really it's kind of already i'm like i want to replay this and just see how different things are going to be but i'm also like i find it obviously it's much easier to play because they've modernized a lot of stuff about it but it's so fun it's like stealth around i'm deflecting a lot with the knife though i feel like that's maybe a little not broken but i feel like i'm getting away with a lot more than i should it because i'm just so tapping good. l1 just to dodge uh, not dodge but like deflect everything it took so long to like get that into my brain like i couldn't wire that into my gameplay f- flow you've been you've been able to like really yeah because yeah, yeah. i mean i just 
I, I don't know. I just, I was kind of getting to a place where I was like, not getting killed, but like stuff was hitting me more often than not. And I was going, what the hell am I doing wrong here? Yeah. And then way later on, you get an actual tutorial um, in a little bit of stealth section. And it goes, oh yeah, tap L1 and blah, blah, blah. And you'll deflect stuff. And I was like, oh, because it flashes up in the corner, but it's quite, it's kind of small. Yeah. But the window is very generous. I'm playing on normal and I find the window very, very generous. And I'm just blasting. I'm, so I came out blasting, you know? And, and no- <laughs> nor- normal is uh, pretty easy. I, I've, yeah. I've been breezing through it pretty, pretty easily. And that's not just because I'm familiar with the old game. Like it, it's significantly changed enough where you hit new puzzles there's different encounters. There's substantial change-ups. One thing where I, I also want to get off the bat, like I kind of started off kind of wishy-washy, but like I do ultimately like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I really appreciated is that some of the like, like I guess you would call them bosses or sub-bosses, like some of those encounters are so much better here. Mm-hmm. Just like the way they're presented, the arenas that they're in, the little tweaks and stuff. Uh, and then also just like the cinematic presentation and how everything looks crazier and feels crazier like a, a lot of that really really works even down to like uh, trekking through the woods like just the addition of more like chanting and mm-hmm. you know more sound effects and just a little bit more going on it, it's it's cool yeah i really i'm really enjoying it i really also like that they've given the merchant way more lines he has so much to say what is it what is it he says like oh Oh, that's why it's that's why gun rhymes with fun or something. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just it's just a weird little guy. He's also like, oh, we're getting old. All right, we've been here for a long time. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, uh, he's a different voice actor, and it took me yeah. a minute to get used to him. But uh, you hear him a lot because I mean, you're running back constantly. Yeah. The game gives you even more trinkets <laughs> and treasures to find than in the old it's one. It's a weird Jake that the minute that you brought up that the merchant was back, my immediate because. Full disclosure, I didn't get a code. I've been begging Capcom every day. I usually get a code for Capcom games early, and they've just been stonewalling me this whole time. But when you brought up the merchant, I don't know if you noticed, I just took off. I, like, didn't want to hear it. But, like, I, it's, I you know what I mean? Because I love the merchant so much. So I was like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it. But, Ooh, like, yeah. he's, still said, cool. he's, he's still cool. He's still cool. I can yeah, confirm like, nothing, that. Nothing he's, changes. Yeah. He's got the purple flame. He's chilling. Mm. He sells cool stuff. Uh, so the one thing that did immediately come back to me and make me really appreciate this is just how it is just like a crazy fun shooter, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's just like a run around, pop a guy in the face, run up, roundhouse kick him, take out your sniper rifle, shoot four guys. Like, you kill a lot of men and monsters in this. <laughs> and it's 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 fun. Like, it it feels good. The, the, the weapon, the shotgun isn't quite as satisfying as it used to be it's like almost there the weapon sound effects are changed but where i think it really like shows that it's still really good is that like i love the rifle in this game for some reason there's there's something about it the bolt action rifle mm-hmm. even from the original was just so satisfying and it's like the only sniper rifle in a game i'm good at uh probably because it's really easy but uh <laughs> i'm glad that that has translated over i was able to immediately pick up the game and in rapid succession take out like four headshot guys like and that's not me bragging like that's it feels that good um so there's a there's a lot of cool stuff like that uh i'm just again i'm still playing through it i'm curious to see if they uh stick the landing but it's it's 
it, it's hard to even nail down how like the change conversation. I'm still working through that, right? Because Dead Space uh, added little things here and there that were that were very smart. Just little additions like that. Where Resident Evil 4 does that, but it also changes things up a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. And um, I still don't know. It, it's not really like I don't know if I like it or not. I'm just, it's more like, I like we didn't need to, I don't. I don't want to go so hard to say like we we didn't need to remake it, but I don't. I don't know. As you can I mean, tell, I'm a little mixed. Yeah, like, but I I know that a lot of hardcore fans really didn't like two for its sort of like some of its changes and in particular some of its omissions. Yeah. Um, is there anything missing so far in your playthrough, or is it just is it all there, but they've just changed up some mm, of it? It's it's mostly all there. Right. Um, I, I, it's interesting. I think the difference between two, the remake of two and the remake of four, the remake of two was like, holy shit, this is crazy yeah. because it's like, True. now it's how I imagined it in my head because yes. it was such an old game. Whereas four, I still think is incredibly playable. It's like a well-oiled machine. You could smoke that game front to back. It's, it's just like really well put together and fun. And like, like it, it you still can just do that. And you're kind of doing the same thing again, but with a fresher coat of paint. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. But the same thing could have been said of Dead Space. Exactly. I that's what I, that's yeah. why I brought up where I'm like, I'm so all over the place. Like, again, sure. like it's first impressions. I'm, I'm a mess right now with how I'm talking about this. But right. Right. I, I ultimately like it. I've, I've had a lot of fun playing it. I didn't get the like, oh, my God, of, of, of two remade. But mm, I'm, mm. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the little surprises and change ups. Um, and Leon has a really cool jacket. And then when he loses his jacket, he has a really cool shirt. And then later on you get a bulletproof vest and he looks even cooler. Like, I, I just love all that stuff. The weapons are cool. Like I said, the enemy encounters, like the, the bosses and sub bosses are often heightened. So I, I think I'm leaning towards like, yeah, I really like this. It's just like, I'm, I'm coming to grips with how I'm going to talk about and how I'm going to outline things in a video. Sure. You guys are seeing yeah, this happen right. in real time. And also it's like, like you said, you haven't finished it. So you haven't yes. got the full yep. picture of it. You're going off also what you can say because yeah. review embargoes are a thing and there are certain surprises you don't want to spoil. And so there's, there's a lot that I don't want to spoil. And then, yeah, to be honest, Capcom is pretty like, Hey guys, we are, we want to be very specific. We don't want things to be spoiled. So make sure you do this and do that and do that. So you got to talk around some things. Mm. Definitely, I'm excited. Definitely. I'm excited for like the chat when we can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it the thing is, I finished four back in the day. I have only finished it once. I liked it for sure, but I didn't love it because the jump in tone wasn't quite for me. I was very much a Resident Evil 2 and 3 dude. And also, I think that's mirrored in how I approach 7 and 8 because 7 is very self-serious and then 8 starts to reintroduce a little bit of that, just a little, you know, the the, the merchant thing and just like the, I don't know, just it started to get a little bit, yeah, it just started to get a little bit more funky and I really liked how straight 7 played it. I loved it, in fact, but I get why, you know, why this series needs to change or whatever. My point with all this is I'm really interested to go back or to now play the remake 
uh, because I don't remember much of 4. I really don't. As I said, I finished it once a long time ago and that was it. And so while I remember some iconic moments, it's going to be quite fresh for me. You know what I mean? And I'm interested to see how I respond to it now that I've had 2 and 3 remake, 7 and 8, uh, as well as stuff like, you know, Dead Space more recently. And I'm trying to think of those other survival horrors we've seen outside of that in the last few years. Have we? Callisto Protocol. <laughs> you make a good point though because uh, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm approaching it as like someone who and I just like assume everybody's played Resident Evil 4 everybody's yeah. played it a million mm-hmm. times so that's that's just me I shouldn't come at it like that but I think for you I, I think it'll be successful especially in terms of how like I said at the start it's still weird it's still a big shift but the little tonal changes the little things here and there maybe help mold it together a little bit mm. for some and, you know, with you only playing it back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's probably a pretty cool experience to play through. It is just good old fashioned video game, which faults and all. I'm, I'm here for that. I love just mm. a straightforward adventure. Yeah, I'm keen. I'm excited. Mm. Next up uh, in talking games, as I just stumbled through Resident Evil. Thank you, guys. Uh, you did great. Um, thank you. It's, you did great. Again, it. It, it's a review in progress. so I'm still hashing it out. I want to hear from Gerard, though. Uh, you've been playing a lot. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe. W- what is the deal with this? Because I am a Kirby uh, novice. Uh, so this is a re... I want to say it's a port, but it's also... it's. I'd say it's more like a remix of uh, the, the game of the same name for the Nintendo Wii from back in the day. Um, this was a very much a more similar style to the original uh dreamland series like you know the one for the game boy um nightmare in dreamland just the the gameplay is very familiar if you've played the original kirby games there was a while where the kirby games started to get a little more party centric and and different types of mini games this kind of combines both um you can play as as the four homies of kirby you got kirby waddle d metal uh meta knight and um king ddd and uh yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know if you got if you, any of you played the original game, but um, the base game essentially is a one-for-one copy of the original. Um, but they added a ton of extra content in the game, from extra mini games to um, a whole new like epilogue with with uh, Magalore, who is the the villain of of the game. In, in the end, it's kind of, I don't know if it's a spoiler, but it, it the, the 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 character, the evil guy in the game tricks Kirby into helping him as an ally. Um, so sorry, sorry, you had a, at least a decade to play this game, everyone. I'm sorry. In <laughs> um, the very complicated Kirby versus God video game. Um, and, and they added a bunch of, there, there's like a, there is a, like a theme park uh, that, that, that uh, mayor Magalore operates in. It's a different Magalore character and it has a bunch of mini games from uh, the, one of the anniversaries of Kirby and they've even updated some mini games to have online functionality. Um, like Samurai Kirby is in the game with a Samurai 100 mode. So you can, it's like a little BR mini game that you can do once a day. That sounds um, awesome. Yeah, there's uh, lots to do in this in this game. If you are a true completionist, uh, this game does not skimp out and it's very difficult to complete. I know that everyone always kind of touts Kirby games as easy and, and for kind of for babies. Uh, if you're a completionist, this game is not easy. There is a huge difficulty curve as you get towards the end of the game. Um, 
you know, there's like 120 achievements in in just the Magalore, Mayor Magalore, Maryland alone. Um, and then, of course, there's the epilogue where you play as a kind of a powered down villain that has to gain his power back. Um, and uh, there's like a, a boss arena mode and a true boss arena mode. And they there's a ton of content in here. If, if you're a Kirby fan, uh, I would I'd recommend checking it out. It, it has a lot in it. If you've played the first if you play the original game, I don't think you're going to be missing too much with regards to the Kirby content. But if you have never played it, there's a lot here for you. Um, mm. and, and of course it's Kirby, which means that for the most part, if you're playing with at least another person, the game is relatively easy, but it does have a difficulty spike when you're trying to round those achievements and, and, you know, beating true arena battle mode. And I did a whole freaking video on it and it, it was extensive. It, it took a lot out of me. I thought, Hey, I can knock this game out in like two days. I was wrong. It, it, <laughs> it, it took almost a whole week for me to do it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. Very, very fun. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I need something light, honestly. Looks That's nice. Good... Yeah. It looks fun. It's sweet. Looks fun. I mean, yeah. just just briefly on a similar in a similar vein, Nintendo exclusive. I actually also played um Bayonetta uh Origins. Ooh, I Lost now this I want to yeah. hear. Yeah. 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 It's really nice, actually. Um I really enjoyed it. It was not at all what I was well, I was expecting it to be what it is. I mean, not describe. Not oh, okay. I would never have expected them to make this type of game, right? Mm. To make a bayonet again that's essentially like a storybook adventure through an enchanted forest. That's kind of like an exploratory puzzle game with some weird combat in there. The the you actually control two characters at once. You control Cereza with the left stick and Cheshire the cat with the right stick. And so during combat, you are literally steering these two characters at the same time trying to use their abilities. And I'm going to tell you, it's fucking hard, right? Like not hard as in they've made combat hard, but hard as in trying to control two characters at the same like time. left brain, and right brain kind of stuff. Totally. And yeah, my brain yeah. actually couldn't do it. <laughs> and as in like, I would kind of just like steer one character for a second and then steer the other character. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. You know what I mean? And like, it's fine because the game is very easy. You can get through it no matter, no matter like how bad you are at that. But I was definitely like, nah, man, my brain can't handle this. This is not working. But um, even despite that, combat is still quite fun because it just has really nice animations. And uh, Cheshire has a number of really interesting, fun forms that he can transform into that have different abilities. There's some Metroidvania woven in there as well. And um, it's just nice. It's a nice time. But the, the, the surprise is it doesn't feel like anything remotely close to the original Bayonetta games. Mm. Uh, it is a huge leap. And it also feels a little bit, I want to say, vanilla. Mm. Right, uh, whereas Bayonetta is, it just is camp. Any- yeah, but Bayonetta is no, camp. not She's at all out there. Exactly, and it's like I would have loved to have seen some of that. There's like little flashes of it, but not a lot. And I would have loved to have seen a closer adherence to that kind of vibe. Like, how do you make this little storybook thing still mm. feel like a Bayonetta game? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like a Bayonetta game. It's a very competent, well-made game on its own. It doesn't feel like it's connected to the Bayonetta franchise, you know? Interesting. So, um, I do recommend it. Sorry, go on. I was going to ask, is it kind of like uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons in that way of like it's it in terms of like one controller, like, you know, you described the controlling yeah. both of them in the in the sticks. Like, yes, because I, I get the vibe that and maybe this is wrong because this is a platinum 
produced game, yes, right? It is. Because it, 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 yeah. it feels like Platinum went to an indie studio, even though Platinum is an indie, indie studio, and was like, yep. here is our IP, take care of it, here are the rules, and continue. That's kind of the vibe that I got from the trailer. Well, I mean, I, I, I understand that it was developed by Platinum in-house. I don't think okay. they outsourced it to someone else. And so it's kind of like, I, I'm going to guess that just a smaller team worked on it. Mm. Um, perhaps it was young talent they were trying to cultivate. And- they went in a, to- a totally different direction than anything one could have expected. Disappointingly, it's not co-op. And you say, is it Tale of Two Brothers, uh, t- uh, brothers Tale of Two Sons? No, in the sense that it's a single player game only. And that's a shame because the control scheme totally lends itself mm-hmm. to, here, you take this Jake Joy-Con, I take this one, and off we go. So weird that they chose not to do that. Mm. It feels like a real miss, to be honest. I think this game would have been a better product overall had you the opportunity to do that. Um but yeah, it's it's it is also Brothers doesn't have any combat if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's just that kind of narrative mm. puzzle exploration stuff. So yeah, yeah, this definitely has a very chunky combat component. There are dungeons that you will discover and that you'll have to beat, like little you know arena style challenges where the wall. It's like Bayonetta. The walls come up, bunch of enemies spawn, kick the shit out of them, move on. You know, mm. it's it's like that within those dungeons as well. Except you don't get a score or anything. The combat is very much just like spamming one button with. A few moves, but not many. And um, it's really just about mastering that control scheme of controlling two characters at once. So, um, look, it's a good game, as I said. It's just not a Bayonetta game. And uh, if you're looking for a nice puzzle adventure game, I really recommend it quite strongly, in fact. But if you are looking for a Bayonetta game, I'm pretty sure you'll be disappointed by this because mm. it's not it. So, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Lucy, you've been playing something called Dredge. This is a boat game. So sounds, Ralph, I thought it was going to be like a murder game, but no. it seems like it's about boats. Ralph recommended this to me, and I thank him eternally. So this is not a review of it because embargo's not up, and I haven't finished it. But there is a demo that you can play now, so you can get a taste of it. And I basically just want to champion this game because it is—it ticks so many of my boxes. I think Ralph, when you sent me the thing on Discord, you went. This is a very Lucy-ass game. Like, it has, yeah. Exactly. It has Lucy vibes, this game, for sure. So it is a fishing game at the core <laughs> of it, but also meets Lovecraft, meets sort of the, some, the at least the characters, the painterly art style of Disco Elysium. Mm. Very, and, but the vibes are very dour and mysterious. And also there is the kind of uh, inventory management of Resident Evil in there too, which I really didn't expect. Right. So basically you're a fisherman. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm just, I'm pandering, I'm pandering to all of you. <laughs> um, basically you are, you're a fisherman, you go to, you get sent to this kind of selection of islands and the fisherman who was there before you uh, disappeared under mysterious circumstances on the ocean and you are told explicitly, you know, you you go there, you wash ashore, you're given a boat, and you have to catch fish to pay back the mayor who gave you this boat. And he explicitly tells you, don't go out on the water at night because of the fog. The fog. And inside <laughs> the fog are these kind of monsters. Hell yeah. And it's very weird because every time you catch fish and you give them to, you, you sell the fish. My cat is going insane. Oh my God. Peanut, Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ. Peanut. <laughs> yeah. um, I've been away for like three nights, so this is why. Um, when you when you take the fish back and you sell them, you, you have these sort of strange conversations where the fishmonger will go, you know, sometimes 
they'll ask for an aberration, a, a really messed up fish that you managed to catch. And they'll just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take it in and just, if I'm going to lock the door and don't come back until the morning, that kind of thing. And you also have a madness <sighs> meter if you go out at night. Um, and basically wow. you're, you're just there to find out what the hell's gone on. You're a fisherman, but so there's kind of inventory management because obviously you can only catch a certain amount of fish and take them back to sell them, but you can keep improving your ship, so your boat, so you can um, improve the hull, um, you can get better engines, better lights, better um, fishing rods, and that means you can catch more fish. And so there are all these little incremental things that you can change and work towards, but the heart of it is a really interesting and compelling mystery and fishing minigames. And it's really good. It's a good sell. It, uh, really it, it looks... It, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the trailer right now, uh, which is probably... Whoever did, made the trailer for Dredge, masterclass in in learning how to tease a game without ruining the surprise. Like, mm-hmm. I am, everything you just said, I picked up on the trailer alone. Mm-hmm. It looks very exciting. Uh, as someone who hates fishing in games, um, what makes it kind of stand out versus like a, a mechanic... In like Final Fantasy 15, if you will. Gotcha. So it's more than everything is very attainable. You have an encyclopedia, um, and it really goes out of its way to because I, you know, Stardew Valley, the worst part of that game for me is the fishing, because the mini games is just mm. kind of weirdly difficult. And I never really got to grips with it. This one is like all of the mini games are very easy. There is a mode you can set so you don't even have to actually do them. Uh if you kind of tap uh, the button at the right time it just makes the fishing go quicker but you can just leave it and it'll just go and you'll, you'll catch the fish and that's not it's not a skill check or anything mm. it's just this kind of nice meditative part of it because time moves forward only when you're moving or when you're fishing or dredging mm. um, and there's a really cool thing that they've put in so you get a spyglass at the very beginning and you can just take a look and you can see exactly which fish are there. So you're not, there's also no element of time wasting. It's very, for a fishing game where it sets you in the middle of an ocean and set, sends you to various kind of selections of islands to find different fish. It's very smart about not wasting your time and kind of giving you all the tools. So there's, you know, you get this, um, you can boost your engines in a little bit and there's management there too because you can't boost them too long. Otherwise you break your engine. So it's kind of, It gives you all these little shortcuts, I guess, in a way, but also there's so much in there. There are all these like messages in a bottle that kind of speak to a wider thing that's gone on. There's treasures to find and sell. There's little NPCs at the various islands who you have to help. That's very good, man. It's very good. Yeah, I played the demo during... This was one of the big darlings of not the most recent Steam Next Fest, I don't think. Maybe the one Mm -hmm. before. I forget. I think I missed the Steam Next Fest. Played the demo, really loved this, um, and yeah, got in touch with the publisher. They sent me a few codes, and so yeah, I sent a few out to different people, and everyone I'm speaking to is just really loving it. Um, yeah, I just think it's got all the makings of a really like an indie hit, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, and I'm very keen to 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 get into the full version, Steam Deck, uh, which I'm planning on doing next yeah, week. Yeah, I'm playing on Steam Deck. Um, I'm in. I uh, I was playing on my TV because I got a stand. And I was like, oh, I really want to watch Succession and play this. And then I went, wait a minute, I can. Because I can just put it in my hand. But no, I, I played it uh, on my on my flight uh, today. Uh, I'm so excited for probably? Succession season. Oh, oh my God, my I'm God, so excited. So it's all I care about right now. It's I like how many, sleeps and how many sleeps until Succession is back. I know. I'm doing my rewatch. 
Oh, nice. I forgot Good how job. unhinged so that first episode is. <laughs> can't remember it i haven't, I haven't yeah, that's never the only really episode watched, so. i've seen and i was like whoa this is a good bro, show bro it oh, is the best of all the shows yeah, it looks great it's, i want to watch it's it. it's the best of all the shows anyway, uh, let's dredge yeah speaking of uh I, succession i guess um <laughs> yep yep can't wait for this segue. Let's go. Uh, I was trying to think of something good. Oh, man. You saw my <laughs> brain fart in real don't, time. Don't stop. You got this. Uh, we got Please. a couple more games I want, I want to hear from. Uh, Gerard, Theater Rhythm, Final Fantasy, Final Bar Line. Did I say that right? I, I think it's called... I, I think I even remember the name. I think it's Theater Rhythm, Final Bar Line. Just it in, is. Encompassing Final Fantasy. Yep. Um, this is the best of the rhythm of the Theater Rhythm games. Uh, hands down. It's the most mechanically clean uh this is i think this is the third or fourth one in the franchise so far um and uh if you like final fantasy and you love final fantasy music and you love final fantasy adjacent music such as advent children crisis core um okay. uh, uh is it live live alive um romantic live alive so- live alive mm-hmm. romantic yeah. saga saga frontier that kind of stuff um it's essentially you know, Final Fantasy Tactics, like it's not just a celebration of the Final Fantasy franchise, but really a lot of the RPG franchises that Square Enix owns, um, and they're infusing it into this game. Uh, this is a game that I'm I'm not trying to complete for any content. This is what I call a for me game, where when Love I want to get away from work, I just sit down and play it. And uh, I started playing it uh, on Sunday. And uh, it's been, what, like three days now? And I can't put it down. It's just really, really fun. And this is my first theater rhythm game. I play the other ones casually, but this is the first one that I've been like, okay, I'm going to do it. Uh, there's a whole robust RPG system that I didn't know existed before that's really cool. Um, you play through essentially the plot of each game uh and through music so it's you know that's cool yeah so you know if you're playing final fantasy 6 for instance you play the opening of narsh with with terrace theme and you know they have these little cool art style stuff and then the next thing is Locke's theme because that's when Locke and terra meet and i'm a huge final fantasy nerd as you can tell so yeah so there's a you know if you like crisis core there's a lot of they tell a story of crisis core they do without spoiling it so if you haven't played it you're not sitting there going like there's no cutscenes. There's not a lot of narrative elements. It's just you have your four party members running around, um, either in a moving stage or in a battle sequence, and uh, you're playing your favorite tracks from from all over Final Fantasy and Square Enix history. And uh, there's just this insanely robust element of paying attention to what your characters are equipped with, whether it's like uh, you know Squall from Final Fantasy VIII, you know, and his his finishing move or Fireaga and 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 Thundaga and so on and so forth and there's challenges planted in the middle of the story mode so it'll be like hey you can play the plot unlock all the playable characters and get to the end or you can beat this challenge caveat the secondary objective and for the most part they're pretty easy but they get really tough and it's fascinating how faithful they've been to all of the games because obviously this is their third or fourth take at the at the theater rhythm aspect of it, uh, yeah. but it, it there's a ton of content. I think I'm like, 
I probably put in about 25 hours into it so Holy far shit. in the last couple days, and uh, I can't put it down. It's it, it's really fun. If you don't like Final Fantasy music or Square Enix music uh, in general, uh, might might not be the game for you. Uh, but Nobumatsu is like the best of yeah. all time. So is is the 14 music in there? Yes, all oh, okay. of it. Like almost others. So much There's 14 music, by the no way. No joke, no joke. So you much. play you play through all of the expansions. <laughs> the expansions. Yeah, oh, it's, really? Wow. Final I'm Fort. actually really interested. I didn't know that that's what it was. I, I, I knew it was a rhythm game. I knew it had Final Fantasy songs, but I didn't yeah. know it had this kind of sequential yeah, like playthrough of the game. That's a really nice touch. Yeah, like you, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's to the point where it like you start playing remixes from other games with the track so it's like oh distidia's in here and the remixes mm. they did for distidia are Sid, in here yeah. and uh final thing you know they call it the final fantasy 13 series because 13 2 and 13 3 are in there and mm. uh, ch- uh chocobo mystery dungeon and final fantasy crystal chronicles like wow they re- they really wow. feels like they're pulling from the bottom of 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 the barrel and more importantly like it's the game's been out for a couple weeks now and like today they just dropped a bunch of new dlc if you bought the season pass with new mm. characters and 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 more more music so they're actively updating this bad boy and it's only been a couple of weeks and uh it's the most well-reviewed out of the franchise so far um it runs great on pretty much everything whether you have it on switch steam deck or or uh, playstation 5 or 4 rather um yeah i i can't get enough of it it's super fun uh and uh there's a bunch of cool little mini emotes too you can play with friends you can you can like share a controller with a homie and you can go hey i'll take these two notes mm-hmm. and you take these two notes um the thing I'll, the last thing i'll say about it one of the things i love about this versus something like a dance dance revolution or a guitar hero is that your button placement really matters in those games like you have to make sure that if you're you know your your fingers on the green and and on the red and the orange and the yellow and the blue um in this game any button counts you just have oh. to, you have to hit a button okay um and there are moments where you'll see a prompt come up that kind of puts you on your toes right like you'll see if it's a moving stage it'll be like a line that you have to use the analog stick so you press the button and then you have to listen to the rhythm of the music and oh, kind of go okay. this way or you'll see like uh a orange arrow and that'll point into direction so you know okay uh, i need to use the analog stick to flick the control stick in that direction uh it's a little so different you kind than of, your average yeah so you can imagine that when you're playing on supreme mode when you're hitting hundreds of notes in a song it's like fascinating to look at if you want to see cool stuff looks look up supreme mode playthroughs of songs on this game and you'll just sit there and, and ask yourself what did i just watch it's it's <laughs> it'll blow your mind but yeah highly recommend if you like final fantasy and square enix music yeah way That's to cool. put that on my radar very cool yeah seriously yeah, totally. uh ralph you got one more for us you've been playing a lot um i've been playing a lot yeah i mean i uh, briefly uh i played this finals if and it's like from a mm. whole bunch of uh former dice developers who went and formed their own studio embark it's really good like if really if you like old school battlefield and you love being able to blow up buildings in a competitive environment i love revolution 
Yeah, well, no, Levolution is hard-baked. Levolution is like a script. This is like literally any... This is like Red Faction, but a multiplayer shooter, Ooh. right? Uh, well, obviously, it had that as well. But anyway. Um, and the debris right, sticks I, around. Like, you got to, like, deal with the debris after. You have to like, deal with it. Yeah, it's, it's cool. really good. It's in closed beta right now, and they'll do future beta rounds in the future. But very much recommend putting that on your radars. It's just a really good time. Mm-hmm. Super well made. Um, I played Dead Island 2. I, did anyone else play that preview? Was it just me? No, I think I watched it was your just video. Me. Good video. Okay, yeah, cool. video. Is yeah, it's 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 Dead Island. It's fine. It's again. Is it just is Dead Island? Well, I actually haven't played Dead Island one, so I don't really know how it's to respond good. to that question. But <laughs> but I would say that it's fine in in the sense that like it's just a very basic ass zombie game, and I've definitely seen other preview co- coverage land where I expected it to, which is some people are like, this is outdated. This isn't bringing anything new to the table. This is like old, whatever. And I'm like, yes, I actually agree with all of that. And that was very much what I thought mm-hmm. as I started playing it early on. But the more time I spent with it, I'm like, I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing because it's just a very straight up, as Jake would say, video game ass video game. It's just uncomplicated and it's not trying to be a live service. It's not trying to have this big ambitious storyline that's fucking ends up fucking sucking even though it's wasted like you know 30 hours of your life <laughs> the open world is not too big and bloated and full of bullshit it's just like let's just make a simple ass fun zombie game and that's what they've done and so i ended up enjoying my five hours with it and i'm actually looking forward to spending more time with it uh but i absolutely anticipate that it's gonna get a 75 on metacritic mm-hmm. some people are gonna be like this is shit and boring some people are gonna be like this is not worth the asking price i'll buy it at sale i think all of those things are correct in their own way but i think if anyone's looking for just a chill ass very relaxed some straight up zombie game i that you want to play with your friends or alone i think this is going to do the job you know what i mean like it, it does what it sets out to do so um does yeah. what it says on the and tin it exactly exactly you know and i think it's like rare for a lot of games these days but yeah, yeah it, it's, does that. it sounds kind of nice to have uh at least none of the games of the service stuff tacked on yeah or exactly. at least but, to just but, be a game that or open totally. world yeah. like it's just like yeah. level based like you click on levels and yes. just kill things i'm in and like and and mm. even the the grinding for material like cl- trying to collect materials to craft very easy to do weapons they're not particularly complicated enemies they're not annoying to fight against like you just realize in so many games that there's like a few things that really piss you off and you're like oh that part of it's really annoying Dylan doesn't really have any of those things. It, it's mm. it's characterized by its lack of ambition, uh, but it, as a result of that, it's just able to nail its fundamentals very well and is just very enjoyable as a result of it, so long as you're down for that, you know? So, um, yeah, played through that. And then the other thing I played through was Atlas Fallen, which I will have a preview up on the channel by the time this video goes live. I know a lot of people have question marks about that, no one really knows what it is at this point. They're like, is this the surge, but in the desert? Or is this fucking force forespoken? It's not a Souls-like, first of all. I will clarify that. It is much more like Darksiders. Um, Darksiders 2, I guess, with its open world structure. It is good. I like it. I did like it. I am wanting to play more of it. But there's definitely some challenges with it on the PC. It definitely ran like shit Mm. uh but it's a preview build so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on that wouldn't be the first preview build that i played that ran poorly that ended up running well at launch so we'll just have to wait and see um i would say the combat is quite floaty and i think people who want really deliberate precise combat like 
Surge, for example, which is the game they made before before this, that's not here. It's much more about the spectacle. It's about it's got a really cool combat system where you have this momentum bar, and the more damage you deal, you fill up that momentum bar, and it actually upgrades your weapon and attacks as you go. So your little little axe thing becomes a much bigger axe thing after you hit the second momentum bar, and then at at, at uh, the third level of momentum, your axe thing is like fucking huge, and you just swing in massive cyclones and whatever. That's Plus, cool. your abilities become yeah. It's actually quite a clever combat system in terms of how it scales up. Um, but yeah, it is still as I said, it's about the spectacle. It's not quite precise. Um, some of the encounters can feel a bit spammy, a bit button spammy, mm. as opposed to more deliberate. And um, yeah, so look, I. I think I feel like this one has a bit of an uphill battle ahead of it because I feel like it's going to get compared to Forspoken, for example, which had a very similar vibe. Oh no! This is qu- not vibe in terms of tonally. It's quite a different tonal vibe. Oh, in terms of like is, reaction. To in terms it? of it's in the it's in the desert. It's very open worldy. Right. Like mm. you go meet an NPC and he's like, "Go and kill me some some birds or whatever," and you go and kill the birds and you find a statue and you need to find a another statue that connects to it and you and you connect seven statues together in the time limit and that's how you unlock the reward and you find chess lying around it's got a very open worldy trope structure um as well as a combat system that's not particularly precise the surge is a very hardcore souls like game it's surge one in particular punishingly difficult right this is so different to that this is way more accessible it is an open world action game it is not a Souls-like. It's for everyone. It's not for a select audience. Um, and I think some people will be disappointed with that. Personally, I think I'm a little bit disappointed with it because I really love The Surge. And I was just, I would love The Surge 3. But um, I'm interested enough with what they've got here to want to see more. I would say that. I, I definitely enjoyed myself. I'm keen to see more. But there's definitely some question marks that I'm holding in my mind as I you know, look towards a review. So, yeah, that's out in like May as well, by the way. I was about to ask. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Let's I haven't see. even heard much about it. Yeah, no, they they really done. A, they haven't done a great job marketing it. Sadly, I th- when you said the name, I th- was like about to say, "Wow, did they, they did they release a Gerard Butler disaster movie as a game?" Like that was my Atlas first has instant. fallen. Yes, Atlas <laughs> has fallen. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I, I, I like had to take a. I, I looked at the trailer as as you were talking about. I was like, okay, good. As I, I thought. For a second, it was a live. It was like a a video game adaptation of a Gerard Butler movie. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, didn't he just release a movie called Plane? <laughs> so- yeah, <laughs> that's right. Look, we we come oh along. We, we've come a long way since Three Hundred. You know, we really, we really have. And uh, what was that one? With P.S. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I cry every time. I cry every time. Every single cry. There was um. Oh, what was every the one uh, where he was a gamer? Uh, Gamer. 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 (laughs) Stop being in movies that are just called the thing. My my favorite was Law Abiding Citizen because there was a point in that movie where he's in a courtroom or something. He goes, Your Honor, I am a law abiding citizen. (laughs) Him him trying to do an American accent is always so funny because you can hear him trying his best to fight a dialect that's otherwise disagreeing with him. My first, my first, like, exposure to him was as the phantom in phantom of the opera and which was I didn't so even know that he was the phantom yeah. of the opera he's phantom in phantom of the opera which is wow. like he's 
he's weirdly good in it and i was just like oh yeah okay this, yeah this guy's the phantom and then yeah he's in shit like gamer my first tell thing- you who else, who else is in phantom is um patrick wilson plays raul whoa my god Amazing. <laughs> he's so great whoa I love, I love him so much my my first exposure to billy zane was through the phantom uh, the famous costumed uh, purple costume superhero, as nobody remember. You guys don't remember that? Okay, never. Of mind. course, no? Billy's. No, I totally remember Billy Zane's Phantom. Don't worry. Oh, I love you. I, that's I, why I, we're I friends. Talk about yes. Titanic. That's like you know, that's oh, Billy he, Zane one hundred and one. Yeah, no, no, no. He he was a good guy before he was a bad guy, but he crushes the bad guy role. I actually rewatched Titanic when I was on the plane to Japan. I'm like, God damn, this movie holds up. Everyone's yeah. performance is fucking rocking. But Billy Zane really crushes it, man. Every scene yes. he's in, he's just, so good. He crushes it. Yeah, yeah. We watched so. it a couple weeks ago as well. I did one. Mm. I when you guys were interviewing, uh, you know, uh, God of War creators, I was it, sick in bed watching Titanic. <laughs> Literally, and it, it, it's That's so great. So funny. Yeah, Jim, is, Jim Cameron, is. man, you don't miss. Jimmy Cameron, never bet against Jimmy him. Still haven't seen Avatar 2, by the way. No, me neither, neither, but I heard it's pretty solid. <laughs> it's fine. How about that? Three of us. The end of it is really one cool. One person, it's fine. The end of it goes insano <laughs> mode, and it's like, I'm like, what? I can't believe this is happening on screen. The rest of it's just like exposition, where it's like, yeah. oh, the fish are magic, and we live on the beach. <laughs> like It's like, okay, cool, man. And then in the end, they're like, let's make it almost R-rated, and let's just let the blue people... Do like Shag. quick time, like do CQC. <laughs> it's so good. Shag. <laughs> Is that what you said, Lizzie? Yeah. <laughs> Let's let the blue people shag. Just, just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Well, oh, uh, from that, uh, let's try and do another Q&A. Uh, yeah. So this is from Graham, who asks, uh, Ralph mentioned in his Dead Space review that, and I quote, if you are not a survival horror fan, I still recommend checking this out. What would be some other games that you recommend that do a good job of introducing people to a certain genre? I can go first. Uh, hmm. The NetherRealm fighting games for fighting games. Hmm. Uh, Injustice in Injustice 2 are incredible games if you're a player like me, where you kind of just like single player experiences you love adventures you cry when comic book characters show up and talk to other comic book characters uh injustice has a really good campaign that is really fun to play through and really entertaining paced well that introduces you to playing as fighting game characters Mm -hmm. and by the end you're like that was a great story and also like i think i like a fighting game and then they do it again with the modern mortal Kombat campaigns and i i really like them for that that's my pick. That's That's a yeah. really good question. Uh, it's a hard one. I would yeah. say personally, I mean, I would say for JRPGs, uh, you know, that that terminology, which mm. we have all spoken right, about lately. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, but thanks, I, I was, Ralph. Well, thanks yeah, for right, asking now. that question, Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> now no, no one's alert. No one but I still believe that term is, I don't believe Yoshi P was saying, don't use the term JRPG. I, was say, I, I think he was saying it had con- negative connotations in the past that have changed since then. Yeah, or or and he even said this will depend on who you ask. Like he wasn't saying it was a universal truth. Sure. Know? So if you're at all interested in JRPGs, I would personally say Final Fantasy X, similar to the conversation we had a few weeks back, mm. where I think it's uh, a really interesting intersection of um, the older style gameplay and the underpinnings of the series meets a more modern and accessible finishing. You know, with regards to its voice acting. It's visual presentation. Um, it's 
got a really, really banging storyline, main characters, and just kick ass. Some music. of the spectacle music is amazing. Some of the spectacle is is outstanding. And even if you go back and watch the clips on YouTube today, they still hold up and still look awesome. Yes. Um, you know, I think there's lots of older JRPGs you could play. Obviously, that really kind of like show you the roots of the of the French of the of the genre style. But I think in terms of accessibility, like really getting into that style of game. I think uh, Final Fantasy X makes it quite easy to do that. So, yeah. Ra- Ralph somewhat stole my answer. I was going to oh. say, if you are, this is specifically for you, gamer with a capital G T M out there that have not played Final Fantasy VII. You've heard everyone say I should play Final Fantasy VII, and you haven't taken the plunge. You're nervous about it because the remake is out, and there's Crisis Core and Advent, blah 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 blah. If you're trying to get your feet wet and you're nervous that you're not going to like it, play Final Fantasy VI first. It's a it's a much more digestible story. It's basically uh, a, a little bit of a cleaner take on, like, you know, the Empire taking over the world with magical kind of stuff spread throughout it. And it makes you care about the characters as a collective, which is something that comes as a core part of the story of Final Fantasy VII. And uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, the pixel remasters are pretty dang good. Uh, and I think they're only playable on Steam right now, but supposedly they're coming to Switch and, and PlayStation in the future based off of the leak at the end of last year when it was on the screen next door for like two minutes. But yeah, <laughs> that's me. That's a good answer. Mm. Shit, I don't know. Like what genre? Like It's RPG? hard on the spot. It is hard. It is I'm hard trying to think like... I don't yep, know. It's tough. Peggle, if you want to just be introduced <laughs> to the greatest genre of all Peggle. time, Pachinko. It's like, the like price Stardew is Valley for you know general life sim games. No, if you want, like, I mean, proper life sim, you want The Sims too. Oh, I'm here an, we go. I'm, here I'm we a, go. No, I, like a proper life simulation game, Sims Two will never be beaten. Sims Four is a t- is trying uphill battle, but you'll never get better than The Sims Two. Um. <laughs> I'm trying to think of just like an RPG in general, like a quote unquote, like like a Fallout or a. Sure. I mean, genuinely, I genuinely think Skyrim. Yeah, true. Honest, honestly, yeah. like if you That's are looking true. for a, good one. a an RPG to get into, because I think the way that Skyrim levels by doing is so so clever, and it really encourages you to just experiment with everything. And there is so much to experiment with in that game. Mm-mm. And I think if you yeah, are. Setting out, setting forth on your own adventure, and you want to really find your way in a, and you want a game that will really allow you to do that. I think Skyrim. That's a really, yeah. that's a really good question. Damn, it's hard on the spot yeah. with four hours of sleep. Definitely, it's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. It's well, a good answer. No, you, you nailed it. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, great question. Thank you, Graham, for sending that one. You, you almost stumped Lucy there. I know. <laughs> uh, now, I think before we wrap up. We got to cover this week in the way back. Gerard. Ooh, boy. All right, everyone. This was a this was a pretty crazy, crazy of a time uh, this 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 week in gaming, if you will. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, there's so many tiles to pick from. I'm picking the obscure one, though, because you guys know me. I love to get weird. Bushido Blade for the PlayStation 1 came out March 14th, 1997. Does anyone in this mm. chat know what Bushido Blade is. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I've heard of Gross. it. 
never played it. <sighs> okay, Lucy. <sighs> imagine a fighting game where you have no health bar. Perfect. You are there is two characters, and when you go to attack each other, uh, it's realistic in the essence of if you have a sword and you attack their left arm, their left arm gets disabled, and you oh. now. So one of the crazy memes about Bushido Blade 2 is that there is a character that flat out has a gun and can just shoot, <laughs> just shoot everyone. The enemy it's, like, it's like Ishin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Square Enix fighting game. It came oh, yeah. up it came up in, in that time and then never again. I would love to see it come back. Uh, highly recommend it if you can get your hands on it. It's very fun. Very easy. Just pick it up and, and button go boom. Mm. Button go boom. I'm sold. 24 years ago today, EverQuest came out. Bless you. Hell. Yeah, I know, right? 24 years. Is EverQuest Quarter still of a going? century almost. Probably. No, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> it's so interesting. I never played EverQuest. I started with uh, WoW, and uh, but obviously EverQuest was kind of the progenitor. I'm sure there were other games before EverQuest, just as... Everyone says, oh, WoW was the first MMO is the, is the troll. And then obviously highlighting the fact that EverQuest was the first MMO. And there was probably an, an MMO before EverQuest that we don't really even know or talk about or remember. But um, I think it was obviously a fascinating time. I would have loved to have been a part of that. I definitely spoke to people when I played WoW who had come from EverQuest and hearing the stories of that game and how fucking grueling it was. And like we talk about the way we complain about spawn timers and what, it, what the amount of work that you have to do to kill certain bosses and whatever the stories that i heard about what it was like to actually play everquest it sounded like the most horrendously awful experience i could possibly envisage <laughs> it sounded like torture but people loved it and mm -hmm. that's how, that's that's you know that's how we got our mmos today everquest was i just double checked on this but uh Kapl jeff kaplan was a guild leader in everquest like no a way. pretty prestigious guild that got like a lot of world firsts and yep. um and that's how so. we ended up getting his job at blizzard because there was like someone else wow. who worked at blizzard in that guild recommended him to go work there you then heard he it here on kids wow then he worked on Overwatch. The, the former game director for destiny 2 luke smith used to be a guild leader for a big world of warcraft guild and he Got also he got some serious shit done in that game as well, like you know, world first or server first mm -hmm. for this Scarab Lord, which is like a really big deal back in WoW. So uh, yeah, man, hardcore gamers make hardcore games. You'd have thunk it. There you go. Make they graduate. Yeah, yeah. Even Joe today was talking about the fact that he was like a you know hardcore raider from back in his day before he came over to Bungie and started in game dev. So yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, about. 17 years ago, in 2006, The Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Ooh, I love this game. God. This this really? was a game that I... So I was always like a, a hype monger, you know, just like getting obsessed over a game and thinking about it endlessly until it released, pouring over screenshots, saving the, mag the magazines, cutting out the pictures and everything. Like, I was crazy. Uh, and Oblivion was really the first game I remember having access to decent internet and being able to be excited about a game and Bethesda close to release was doing a thing where they were releasing little quick stinger trailers like every day. Like they literally <laughs> they literally release a 30 second clip of just a pan of the skyline. And then in the next day, they'd release another 20 second tease of just first person view running through the woods. 
And it was so exciting because the game just looked like out of this world, like beautiful and vast and incredible. And I was like already on the high of uh, Morrowind. And this just seemed like the next big thing. It was like you had I had gotten a 360 and really wanted something that made it feel like it was like, holy shit, the next generation is here. And like that was it for me uh, because that launch lineup wasn't that great uh oblivion for me was really the first big one i went hard on and uh, it had a cool collector's edition you got a coin with emperor uriel septim on it and like i just thought that was cool um and it's it's a really good game i actually still think it holds up it's a little weird and wacky now but the music the look of some of the towns the tone the feel of it is so painterly and beautiful yeah 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 i just that's that's actually funny enough one of the reasons i bounced off oblivion i didn't like oblivion because I came off Morrowind and I played the ever living shit out of Morrowind. It's a big shift because Morrowind's yeah, weird and cool. It's so weird and like s- just the best. And then Oblivion, I'm like, oh, this is a bit boring, isn't it? It just looks like a fucking fairy tale land. Yeah. It's like, it's out of, it looks like where the, you know, the kingdom that Shrek lives in, you know? But then you get to go uh, on the Oblivion gates and like fight the devil and like kick him yeah, in the face. I, I, get, I, I didn't get that far because I was just like, nah, this isn't for me, man. So that was actually one of my biggest disappointments, funnily enough, was Oblivion. Have you so, been following wow. Sky Oblivion? Oh hell yeah. 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 I'm I'm so excited. Jake, um editor Jake, hi Jake, uh made a really great uh video about uh the team who are building Skyblivian yes. a couple of years ago and it's very worth a watch if you haven't seen it already because that's such a mm. cool project but like must be an absolute nightmare to navigate. Yeah, most recently they just put out like a new trailer and a new look and they it was like a a launch window tr- announcement trailer and I think it's like far, it's like 2025. Yeah, they literally announced oh, da, right. da, 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 da. like it looks amazing. So. The trailer was incredible. And then it ended with 2025. And they were like, <laughs> it's hard to make a game where a small team. Yeah. We're not going to like give you something earlier. And then you get mad at yeah. us. So mm-hmm. love yeah, to see it. Right, sure, sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, my game. So in Japan, 12th of March, 2015. Yakuza Zero. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Nice. So what was that? Eight years ago. I played Yakuza 0 in 2020 over lockdown. That was my summer game. <laughs> I spent 60 sure. hours in there, 40 of which probably in the cabaret club. <laughs> Fell in love with Kiryu and Majima. I genuinely think Majima's intro in Yakuza 0 is one of the best character intros of all time. It's like a 15-minute yeah. long cutscene. Don't spoil it's- it for me. I haven't played it. I'm not going to spoil it. I genuinely, I am excited for you for when you eventually get to experience it because I, my jaw was on the floor the whole time. It's, I, I mean, you can say this of all Yakuza games, but like it balances just being so sincere, earnest with the craziest sub stories and experiences you'll ever have in a game. Like buying porn for a child and then nice. trying to sneak it past a couple of ladies <laughs> so that you, they Japan. don't so that they don't get mad at you i think that's in zero there's a bunch of stuff in, you I kill play, a man like, with an ashtray within like the first 30 minutes of the game yeah oh god and just the way that it introduces every character with like the dun dun kind of thing and um, yeah, i love that that's very cool yeah i i fell in love with that game and i i'm still in love with yakuza now and I, yeah, it's eight years ago, but then obviously it came out again in the West a little bit later, but that's mine. That's the game that got me into the series. So mm-hmm. shout out to them. Shout out to all these old games. I mean, they're not that old, but 
we're old. We got to go to bed. Uh, so this has been another episode of the Friends Per Second podcast, folks. Thank you for being here. Uh, clicking clicking thumbs up or rating us on your favorite podcast platform helps. We're here every other week. Uh, we're going to be talking more Resident Evil next week uh, and a bunch of other games that we've been playing behind the scenes that we can't talk about in this one. So be sure mm. to come back around. I'm Jake Baldino. You can find me on Game Ranks during the day, my own channel at night. Lucy, where can people find you? I'm GameSpot and Giant Bomb during the day and looking at the YouTube comments on Neil Young's Harvest Moon at night. If you want to cry, like I tweeted this out, genuinely most earnest comment section I've ever seen in my life. You can find me there. Sweet. All right, Ralph. <laughs> yes, uh, you'll find me here on this very YouTube channel or if you're on the podcast, then you'll find me at SkillUp on YouTube and on Twitter. SkillUp. Last but not least, Gerard. You'll find me buying every single Wii U and 3DS <laughs> game over at youtube.com slash that one video gamer or just search The Completionist on all your favorite platforms. You'll find my dumb, fat, bearded face there. He sounds tired and broke. So go watch this video. <laughs> very much so. Thank you, Jake. Folks, thank you very much for watching, listening. See you next time. Tie your shoes and go to bed. Yeah.